0: I've seen you train. Scares the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Human growth hormone. Benefits are purported to be increased exercise capacity, bone density, increased muscle mass, decreased body
1: fat. I will go on record for saying to use or not to use, unless you're competing in bodybuilding, don't use. I would never decide. science. Science is great. But... About 2015. It's The Expendables 3.
0: Harrison Ford was 71. Sylvester Stallone, 67. Schwarzenegger, Hi. 66. Now there's a few others as well. They are all so lean so jacked are they tapping the fountain of youth
1: i'd say at their ages they'd at least be on hormone replacement therapy those guys but
0: joe rogan has openly spoken about peptides and testosterone and growth hormone on his podcast and he gets guest on was in australia we don't and i think we need to be
1: educated about this he said i can't wait to get home i'll have a new jungle cat so i cut a piece of his brain out took it down to the lab and they're cloning him and i'm like what and he goes yeah yeah just down the street i'm like You got labs down the street that clone your pets. Then that was back in 2005 in the US. I think they're so far advanced with things that we have no idea. My teenage years were very, very challenging, ultimately until I found bodybuilding, really. It saved me.
0: Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. Hey, it's Andrew, and welcome to another edition of the Performance Intelligence Podcast, the podcast about all things human performance. Before we start this interview, a quick disclaimer. I want to be really clear. When I work in the world of elite sport as a mental skills coach and having come through sport as a strength and conditioning coach, there is a guideline, a charter, a set of ethics where people do not take any substances to accelerate performance, and if they do, that's called illegal, and they get kicked out of the sport. In my world as a coach and exploring science with Dr. Tom Buckley and this whole concept of performance intelligence, we wanna bring information to you from a curious point of view and that's where I sit in this interview. Not with my hat as a mental skills coach in elite sport, but as someone who is curious pulling on the thread, especially in sports like bodybuilding where they have permission to take external substances to accelerate muscle growth. So this interview is done purely from that angle of curiosity.
1: Hi, I'm Nick Jones. This is a disclaimer to let you know, I do not condone the use of anabolic steroids or performance enhancing drugs. However, I did feel comfortable to talk with Maisie, with Andrew May on such a great podcast because I do see a lot of misuse of these substances. And I think it is a topic that really does need to be discussed and understood somewhat i'm comfortable to share my experience and my knowledge on the topic but certainly if you can build and you can build a great physique perform and recover without the use of anabolics i believe it is a better more sustainable healthier way to go about your bodybuilding lifestyle get educated get a healthcare professional do your blood work be very very mindful of your health be healthy be strong and have a great life
0: Nick Jones has devoted 33 years of his life to nutrition, health and the art of bodybuilding. His goal is to improve quality of life and enhance performance through superior nutrition, exercise and specific supplementation. Nick's absolute dedication to the art and science of bodybuilding has resulted in him winning multiple titles, including Mr. Australia, Mr. Australasia, Mr. World and runner-up in the prestigious Mr. Universe competition. And when I needed to get jacked for a photo shoot for my book, Matchfit, Nick was the go-to guy that worked with me to get me in literally the best aesthetic shape of my life. He is founder and CEO of GenTech, one of Australia's leading supplement manufacturers and suppliers. And with his three children and Greek wife, Angela, Nick lives near Cronulla Beach, which is known in Australia as God's country. (laughs) Nick, welcome to the podcast.
1: Ah, Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here. I'm really excited, to be honest.
0: Well, it's good to catch up. We first met each other about four years ago, and context for our listeners, I was working with a publisher doing a book, Match Fit, which was about coming back for me after a marriage breakdown, my health, physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual, everything was on the rails. And I thought I was looking okay. You know, I got myself going back, writing the book, deal with a publisher. And the publishing agent said, Andrew, we need you to get some photos. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. But we need you to get jacked. Like, we need you to get really fit. And I'm like, <laughs> I thought I was doing all right. So a mutual friend of ours, Dan Bradley, I said, yes. hey, Dan, I've got to do some work. He said, well, I'll work with you and with Nick. And that's when we first met. And you totally opened my mind up to this bodybuilder lifestyle.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was a great challenge because I think we only had about six weeks.
0: Oh, that's the other kicker. Yeah, six weeks. Six weeks. Photos. And
1: you're doing like 200 uh, Ks a week on the bike. Would that be right?
0: Yeah, I was. And I said to you, how can I keep up this cardio? And I knew the answer, mate. I studied yeah. exercise fizz. Yeah. How can I keep up high levels of cardio, which I know is catabolic? And put on muscle. And you looked at me and said, You fucking can't. You just
1: can't. <laughs> you just can't. Throw the bike, yeah, put the bike in the shed for six weeks and let's get into the weight room and change the diet. And and obviously the diet that I wrote for you was much higher in protein than what the dietitians and so forth had ever seen that you were working with at the time. And when you called me and gave me some feedback and said, Oh, the guys that I work with said, nah, it's far too high in protein. This is not a good diet for you. And I thought, bingo, bingo. this is what happens every time. And the dietitians in Australia, God bless them. They they're brilliant people and do some great uh, research and great study, but body recomposition is different. And body recomposition is building muscle and losing body fat, and it is a science. And uh, I, I would say relatively, uh, as opposed to training and exercise, the nutrition makes up the biggest proponent of changing mm. your body composition.
0: You, you could have been a little bit more upfront back then when I rang you. Because I did. The nutritionist I'd been working with, she said, oh, it's way too much. And what's it going to do for your liver and your kidneys? Mm. And I rang you. What you should have said is, mate, look at me. Look at you. Just listen. <laughs> <laughs> you said that to
1: me. You said, you said, I trust this guy. You should see him. Don't no, trust him. I'm going to do this.
0: Look, look at you. And for people who are watching this now, we're on YouTube. And we'll do some social media clips as well. Great. Body fat for you at the moment. I think this is really good good positioning, like the guy we're going to talk to today about staying lean and building
1: muscle, you're in your... I'm 52 this year. 52. I've been training since I was 15. Well, I was 10. You, you dug up that information. I started training with a broomstick and bricks at 10 years of age, but I've never really stopped training. I love the training. It's as much for my mind and spirit as it is for my muscles. The muscles are just a cool side effect, but but it's a great uh, stress relief and form of therapy for me that I've never stopped doing. So, um, But at the moment, my body fat's probably in the single figures because, to be honest, I've started getting ready for a contest. And this will be my last one. I said to my wife, "My last one." My little boy really wants you me to compete. You sound like John Farnham.
0: This is it, <laughs> this Jacks. <laughs> is back. This is my last tour. Nick Jones, last, last, <laughs> Mister Australasia, Mister World.
1: Sure. I sound like that old boxer too, don't I? I've got one more. I have one more in me. <laughs> but seriously, I, yeah, I think this will be it because the the responsibilities of life these days with three young children and and uh, and the company and to be a selfish bodybuilder doesn't really work. So I'm I'm approaching the contest very differently to what I used to when I was young and single and but it's working so I'm about 9% body fat about 88 kilograms mm, yeah,
0: yeah at the fully moment. jacked like I, I, I normally feel quite fit when I catch up with you you are fit my shoulders hunch my posture goes <laughs> <laughs> I, I go <laughs> and do on. a lot more curls come on I'm winding you up on. big fella hey it's me Just a quick note, I'd love you to subscribe to the Performance Intelligence Podcast. And I know, you probably hear this on so many other podcasts, and like me, you switch off. But can I ask you to please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe? And while you're there, extra bonus, leave a rating and review. That's it. Now, let's get back to this week's episode. So, rough frame for today. Number one, your background story and getting into bodybuilding. as you mentioned when we had a coffee before, we dig we did dig up some info and I want to go through that fascinating your your childhood. It's so what I love about a podcast you really get to know people. two, the discipline required to win Mr. Australia, Mr Australasia, and multiple Mr. World titles. I then want to get into the science of building muscle. Let's talk about like how do you build muscle. Do you know how many of my male, middle-aged clients want to be more ripped, more jacked, put on a bit of muscle? There's so much myth information about it, so Mm. I want to get it
1: from you. What's the best way for people to do that? Absolutely. And what do you reckon? 99% of them want to look better naked. That's what we're talking about. Body recomposition, look better naked. Yeah, I'm going to start asking that. 99%.
0: (laughs) I'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, with your permission, we're going to go and talk about a topic that I think needs to be talked about a lot more. If we were in America and this was Joe Rogan, uh, hey, Joe Rogan, you know, I'd be earning a lot more money. If my head would be a bit shinier. But we'd openly talk about the fountain of youth, about peptides, about human growth hormone, about steroids. Mm, absolutely. So with your permission and underscore, you're going to listen back to this to make sure you're happy with it. But let's sure. talk about that. Sure. I'm asked that so often. And my my knowledge is better than the average person. Absolutely. But hands up. Still, it's such a an area I don't know a lot about. I'm going to talk to you about a movie I saw that just made me think, oh, these actors, they're doing something that the rest of us are Absolutely aren't. are. Five, your entrepreneurial journey. Yes. I want to talk about that. And six, performance uncovered. And we'll sort of wrap around and dance in between. So let's Great. start with number one. Great. Growing up in a housing estate in Adelaide.
1: Mm. I mean, I wasn't in housing commission until I was 15, to be honest. We lived in little units and, and whatever mum could afford because mum and dad split. When I, I was born in the UK, we came out when I was 18 months, mum, dad, my older brother, Chris, is 18 months older. It was at about uh, I would have been four years of age. They were obviously having a bit of trouble, mum and dad. So, mum took Chris and I, my brother, to the US for a year. Her uh, and I've got such fond memories of the US. We I did my first year of school in Washington DC because we lived with uh, mum's sister, my auntie, and her husband, my uncle Sean, and and uh, and their young children. So I. I always loved being around other kids and big families, and I loved it. I, you know, and that was the first taste I got of having family around because we didn't have any. So it wasn't long after that year in the US we came back. Mum and Dad split, and we yeah we lived in little units that Mum could afford to rent. Uh, she did beauty therapy, and she'd because Chris and I were so young, she had set up her bedroom as a studio for electrolysis and waxing and all that sort of thing, and and she used to sleep on the couch. So Mum did a pretty tough single parent. All of the bills, all of the responsibility to young boys in a country with no support, no family. At least it was English speaking, unlike my in laws, you know, they're Greek, off the boat Greek. But uh, so, mum did it pretty tough and and applied for housing commission, but we didn't get in for many years. To be honest, when we finally did, like I, I I had an upbringing that I was always pretty happy, you know, I was always a happy kid. And, you know, it only came up recently that. Self esteem gets knocked. And I, you know, you think you deal with all this personal stuff over the years. You get counseling and work on personal development, and you think you deal with a lot of your shit over so many years. I'm 52 now. And then it just started to, you know, bite me in the arse again fairly recently, Andrew. And I was talking to. um, Because of kids? Do you think it's through your kids you manifest or you live this out you go back that's a really good point i do think you relive your childhood in many many ways the wanting to compete in this mr universe contest again it was it was like gee is it a self-esteem thing because a lot of bodybuilding stems from low self-esteem it just does whether you like to admit it or not and you know there's a lot of reasons as to why i want to compete but the self-esteem thing i only got this perspective recently when you grow up Without much, like without much money. Without much money, single parent, housing commission, or, or just in little units like we were in initially. You know, I lived in an area where it, it wasn't a bad area. Uh, it was uh, Camden Park, not far from Glenelg in South Australia. That's and a,
0: that's a like, great area. It's a, yeah, a, a I, great, yeah,
1: I spent a lot of my childhood at a Glenelg. Great, yeah, I spent a lot of my time there. I love Glenelg Beach. and. But I guess when the other kids that you go to school with back then, they all had two parents. They all had the latest Adidas. They had the Gray Nichols cricket bat in cricket, and they all had the, the Sharon footy And you know. So they all had a lot, and we didn't. And it, I didn't think it bothered me. But this friend I was talking to, it, it does hit your self-esteem when you're in this situation. So I guess um, I always thought I really excelled at sport and tried really hard at sport because my dad wasn't around, and I wanted – His recognition—it's like, Dad, look at me. I'm good, aren't I? That's why I thought I tried so hard and excelled at sport. Even though I was little and small, I was the captain of the footy team, the the captain of the cricket team, and I did quite. And when I say footy, AFL being Adelaide, but that was my upbringing. I really threw myself into sports big time. I loved playing sport. I had plenty of good friends. I, I guess I was relatively popular, being the captain of the sports teams, and and so my childhood was great. My primary school years were great. There were often times I think with all kids where you feel like you don't fit in. You know, I've always had that where I feel like I don't, fit, even though I was popular, you feel a bit different that you don't fit in. No, now whether that's the single parent situation, your home life's very different to all of those I went to school with. I'm not sure, but or as a, or as a little inkling of depression when I was very young, maybe as well because I see it in in my family. So, did, did you realise that then, or is this no knowing now? So looking knowing back, now, you know hindsight's now. a beautiful thing, yeah. Andrew, as we all know. So. My primary school years ultimately were great, um, especially the last couple. High school was a bit of a different story. wasn't long after going to high school that we moved into housing commission, and I really went off the rails at the age of 15. Really, I mean, really went off the rails. So there were some pretty troubled years, probably from 15 to 18. I got in a lot of trouble with the law. There was a lot of violence. Again, it was you just that situation, you know, you're in housing commission, it's your reality, you got a lot of anger from your up. But there was a lot of anger that I was saying I was a happy kid.
0: I've read that you said there was a lot of bottled up anger that then came out in those
1: teenagers. It came out in those teenagers, and probably because of the use of drugs and alcohol. That's probably, you know, when you what is in an orange comes out when it's squeezed is the juice that's inside and i find you know with a lot of people alcohol drugs they really just bring out what's inside so i got myself in a lot of trouble over those years so my teenage years were very very challenging very very difficult ultimately uh without going too deep on it ultimately until i found bodybuilding really it saved me
0: and i read that you were very close to going to jail at 18 so that's mm. that's a sliding door moment isn't it like you could have gone down a very different path Knowing you, like a little bit of you, and then digging deep on this, getting to know more of you, some of that surprised me, but some mm. of it didn't. Because mm. ultimate champions, there's a hunger, there's a thirst, or sometimes there's a pain. If you have both, it can be a superpower. Yeah. So, obviously, one pathway is you go to prison, the other pathway is you unlocked this competitive beast inside yes. that's been going ever since. Yes. What What made you choose the different path?
1: That's a a great question. I mean, I was up on my fourth assault charge. That's ultimately what it was. I had three assault charges as as a juvenile, and this was the first one as an adult. i just turned 18, so I was working in the oil field two weeks on, two weeks off. It's funny cuz my girlfriend at the time her dad her father was the manager up there and he just wanted to get me away from his daughter cuz I was such a crazy kid. So he got me a job <laughs> so in the middle of the desert. <laughs> yeah, he got me out in the middle of the desert 2 weeks out of every month. So um God bless him, he was a smart man, very smart, good man, a very good man, very smart man. When I came uh, when I had to go to court for this assault charge it was just prior to that Andrew, I was working in the oil field 2 weeks on, 2 weeks off and just so that was South Australia, Moomba, pretty much, and the camps around there, just over the border into Queensland. I was working. I was well testing. So it's where you run uh, the, the oil well. The oil pro- the well produces oil and gas and water, and it comes out of the ground at a wellhead, and you run it through a series of pipes and a big vessel called a separator. And so you measure how much oil, gas, and water it's producing, and you flare off the gas, you burn off the gas, and then the oil and water you, you put into a massive tank, and you take the readings of that. So because it was flooding, I was out in the middle of nowhere. In the desert with one other guy, Canadian guy, great guy, uh, Big Ronnie the Canadian. And I was out in the middle of the desert, and there were some times where, I mean, w- we lived in a caravan and there was a generator, and, and they're noisy, those Jennies, you know, all day, all night, but it's quite meditative as well. And there were times where we'd turn it off and it was so quiet in the middle of the desert. And when you live in the city, you don't realize this constant hum and how. All of this stuff affects you. It's like kids go on camps, city kids go on camps
0: to the bush. Some yeah. of them can't sleep because you know, it's literally yeah, killing them it's with silence. Too quiet. Because we are so used to subconsciously having the da 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 in the traffic. So when there's real stillness, sometimes people go a bit crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it gives you a chance to get to know yourself. Get to start listening to your thoughts and realize. Start thinking about where those thoughts have come from. Are they you? Are those? So you start. It, it did for me anyway at that point in time because I knew I was heading to court for this assault charge. I thought it was the first one. Like I thought they can't bring up my juvenile stuff. Um, but when I was when I was out in this caravan, I read an article in a bodybuilding magazine of all places on meditation. In a bodybuilding magazine on meditation. That one article, Andrew, I've got to say, it changed my life and it sounds crazy to think a bodybuilding magazine changed your life and it was one article on meditation but the guy who had written it was frank zane my favorite bodybuilder and zane was um mr olympia in the late 70s three years running so he's an extreme he was like he was a monster beautiful beautiful physique massive physique beautiful physique yeah great physique so he was an extreme physical specimen frank zane but he had a degree in experimental psychology so he was very intellectual and he was heavily into Zen Buddhism and meditation. So he's a very spiritual man. So he really impressed upon me that a bodybuilder could be really well-rounded. And that article on meditation and starting to practice meditation changed me. One of the things
0: I love most in life, Nick... Is challenging stereotypes. Mm. I reckon there's a lot of people listening to this who would think, yeah, guy X, Mr. Australasia, Mr. World, blah, blah, blah. Big jacked dub beefcake. Got no freaking idea about
1: meditation or spirituality. <laughs> but you go deep. Love oh, very, Yeah. It's like how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Uh, we, 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 we got time. We, we got runway to Oh mate, I, and I really it was this hard it was it was going through it was that was the spark and that was the fork. That was the fork I gotta say. So by the time I rocked up to court. And my solicitor said to me, he was a good solicitor, actually. He said to me, You need to pay me before we go into court because if you go inside, you're not going to pay me. And I thought, Shit, this is real nice. I said to him, No, 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 I'm not going to prison. Look, I said, I've started meditating. I read this out. I started meditating and, and I don't fight and I won't be violent anymore. And I, you know, I just, I, I, I'm, I've changed. And he said to me, you'll get plenty of time to meditate in prison. (laughs) This is what my solicitor was saying, like worst case scenario stuff. And when we went to court, my mum was there with her friend. and Because mum, I used to go to children's court and we'd go to the pub across the road and drink tequila, me and my brother, and go into court. It was just, we were wild. We were absolutely wild. Mum had lost control. But here, mum had come to this court case with her friend. And I remember standing in the box and one good thing that my solicitor said, he said, go and get some references from people you know that know you, some personal references from people with a standing in the community. So my old boss, my ex-girlfriend's dad, it was an ex-girlfriend by this stage. God bless him. I got one from him. I got one from the closest thing I'd ever had to a stepdad, Bruce, who I was very close to. There was probably four, four or five that I got. The judge took about 10 minutes to read them all top to bottom, page by page, read them all. And so I was standing in the box after I'd been asked a series of questions.
0: And you were standing there literally sweating bullets. I was standing
1: sweating it out in the box while he read these references for five to 10 minutes. And he looked at me and he said, uh, I find you guilty of assault, occasioning grievous bodily harm. I, I knocked the guy's teeth out. I sentence you to 12 months imprisonment. I nearly pissed myself. I nearly passed out. Mum starts bawling in the front row. And then he said, but I'll suspend it for 18 months on a period of good behaviour. And I knew what that meant. And I was like, oh
0: my God. What was the gap between the 12 months and then saying suspended? Did he He was
1: messing with me. He, yeah. The judge was messing with me. I reckon it seemed like an eternity, probably three or four seconds. He was messing with me, Andrew. And he could probably see, I think... I looked in his eyes. I connected with the judge. He could see that I had a good heart. I always did have a good heart, always. I was never black. I was never black. Yeah, I was angry, but he could see I had a good heart. And he obviously read these quite in-depth personal references. He was messing with me. He didn't want to see me back in there again. So that was a blessing. That was a huge blessing, and that was a fork.
0: So rewind three years. Before that, you started lifting in the Glenelg Spa and Fitness Centre. No,
1: I know where that is, <laughs> underneath ah, the footy club. Underneath Glenelg Football Club. And it was back before it was AFL. So it was SANFL, South Australian something Football League, and VFL, Victorian Football League. And so like State of Origin, the South Australians used to play the Vicks once a year in this State of Origin AFL match or Aussie Rules I think match. they still play
0: that. Do they? Yeah, yeah, do yeah. they? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, it used to be a big, huge deal. And uh, so Glenelg was one of the SANFL clubs, and the little gym was underneath the footy club.
0: So you started lifting, as you mentioned, some of the tidbits I said over coffee earlier. You got a broomstick and a couple of bricks at 10, but then you really started lifting at 15. So just just thinking about the physique of you at 18, you were a young man, but you would have been starting to get muscle. Yeah, and I was working
1: in the oil field, so we were working hard physically, and I was training up there and eating a bodybuilding diet. So had I gone to prison... I I, we wouldn't be sitting here now. I think a fresh-faced 18-year-old kid with a good little physique, I think, would would not have been a good place for me. So I'm, I'm so grateful I found bodybuilding and I found meditation and metaphysics and everything that flowed on from that. It really. Did
0: you find bodybuilding or did bodybuilding find you?
1: I wanted a lean, strong, muscular, superhero-looking physique for as long as I can remember, even when I was a little boy.
0: What comics did you read when you were in?
1: Uh, well, I, we didn't get into the comics, but the when we could start watching cartoons when we got a color TV. When we got a color TV, I'm pretty old, so we had this little black and white. He Man was my favorite by a mile. I'm a He Man tragic Andrew. I've got, I've got original art pieces from from comic artists that are He Man. Do you
0: know who He Man is? So you, you do Masters of the Universe? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, nothing. absolutely. And I'm, I'm getting ready for the Mister Universe contest. And I'm doing the Masters category. So there you go. I only just thought about that ah. then. I could be the my own master of the universe Your in own eight he-man. and a half weeks. So,
0: very different path. Thank goodness you chose it because you've influenced, you are influencing hundreds of thousands of people's lives. But then to start bodybuilding, again, a misnomer a lot of people have. If someone represents Australia in rugby league or they go to the Olympics, we go, oh, yeah, yeah, there's, a, there's more of a clear path or there's more of an understanding. But in the bodybuilding world, I think some people go, oh, they just lift heavy shit. They yeah. just like it. I know it's different because I've worked with a number of bodybuilders over the years behind the scenes. It's full on, mate. Mm. It is hard. Mm. Like you train as hard if not harder than any athlete.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of athletes that really appreciate bodybuilding. So many, I've got a, a very dear friend of mine's quite a celebrated NRL player. He's retired after a couple of years, but very well-celebrated 300 game guy, State of Origin player, loves bodybuilding. Our kids go to school together. He comes and trains with me and I wrote his program and he loves it. So many athletes uh, and working for supplement companies, I always worked with a lot of athletes with supplement programs. They always were intrigued and loved the bodybuilding. And I guess it's they understand the training is hard, like it's hard for all of us, but we thrive on the hardness of the training. We It's such a big challenge that gets our demons out, it nourishes something deep within us. Even still to this day, the harder I train, the more peaceful I feel. I've seen you train scares the shit out of me <laughs> <laughs> i trained with danny a couple of times we had some good workouts we did. Some dan good workouts. said
0: oh, mate come watch the big fella train and big shout out to dan bradley i need Absolutely. to catch up with dan in fact the three of us will have lunch on me because without good. dan i wouldn't be here talking to you but the first time i saw you train it's a bit like uh tim zoo the boxer i work with ah. tim if we're chatting he's, hey, yeah, he's lovely how the yeah. kids he's calm when he starts wrapping up his hands with the tape to then put on the gloves his eyes change your eyes change, and then it's like your hands your calloused mitts get in contact with steel, steel i, was like, I love it. It, is, it. it where's a he man he comes yeah. alive <laughs> but you, you're a beast and I it was it. a different intensity mm. to what i see in the gym
1: yeah and that's i guess um the, the strange thing is too as a semi-professional bodybuilder i mean i was a top amateur um but i'm semi-professional because i've made it part of my work we are the only athletes that train with the public what other professional athlete goes to training around general public? I don't think there would be any that I know of. I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe there's... swimmers, maybe people are in the pool but not yeah, in Yeah, but they own. have specialist squads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, bodybuilders, elite bodybuilders train in public gyms most of the time, 99.9% of the time. A few of the guys have their own personal gyms, but I, don't, I you know, I like training in a, I love training in a commercial gym. I love it because there's an energy there that you can feed off a little bit on days where you're a bit flat. Is it
0: also people looking at you? Is, is no, it, it's absolutely not. Smile is, if it is. This is
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got me. You got me. It's actually because I train at City Gym and City Gym, I love oh, City, City Gym.
0: City Gym's full of like – beautiful bodies isn't I it it's an institution
1: it's an institute and the funny but the funny this is the funny thing about city gym is there are a lot of good physiques in there and the good, the good thing with city gym it's predominantly the it's predominantly gay it's known as gay friendly it's predominantly a gay gym but you walk into city gym and there are beginners intermediates advanced Gay, straight, bi, trans—you know, rich, poor, homeless—you know, people that live in penthouses on the harbour. There's drug addicts, drug dealers. That like everyone's in there under the same roof. Yet when you put your clothes on, it doesn't matter. It do, it's a it's a great leveler. So again, no one really stares. No one really stares. Even you think the boys are oh, they you know like the look of a muscly man. Everyone's very very cool. So it's probably a bit uncool to stare or to freak out. Like The Rock would train there when he comes to town. No one stares. No one gets a selfie with him. I'm not cool, Andrew. I'm not cool.
0: Gosh, so I've told my 12 year old son great. The Rock goes there. He'd be stalking. Oh, him, every you, time Tom he comes to town,
1: he trains there. Like most of the celebrities when they come to town for some reason, I think maybe some of the promoters and agents are connected with City Gym, probably train there themselves. So there's a lot of who's who in there, but um, no one gives a shit whether you're big, small, muscly, or not. It doesn't matter. It's great. On your Instagram post,
0: Nick Jones, you said, bodybuilding really gave me a life. It helped me develop a strong mindset, understand goal setting, but ultimately it took a troubled teenager and provided an endeavor that allowed me to feel in control of something in my life, to make change by applying effort and intelligence after a while. Wow, did I write
1: that? That's quite insightful. That's 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 very... That's very true.
0: Oh, Hang on. That was Nick Jonas, the singer.
1: <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> uh, oh, that was you. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very accurate. If, yeah, I think I, I obviously wrote that uh, at some stage. It's funny how you forget some things that you do and say and write, but it absolutely did. I mean, for all, those things are spot on. I mean, I, I ended up traveling the world with bodybuilding. I did the prestigious Mr. Universe five times. I think I got a six, two fourths, a third, and a second. I never won it, and that's one reason I want to do this universe coming up as well. I've never won a universe title, but I did. I traveled the world with bodybuilding. I learned so much about myself. I always say anyone that's really into their weight training should compete at least once because you learn so much about yourself. You really push yourself 24-7, Andrew, because when those body fat levels get down close to 5%, you are tired. You are really struggling on a daily basis to get out of bed, to do your cardio, to weigh your food, to eat your five or six meals a day, to get in the gym, try and hit PBs, try and maintain your strength at least. Because if, if you get weaker, you get smaller. And, and the last thing you want to do is lose muscle before a contest. So you're really pushing yourself. And it's one of the few sports, again, I think Tim Zhu, if he had to make a weight cut, would understand to perform at your best in the gym when you're on restricted calories. It's a big ask. It's pretty tough to do, yet the 16 weeks getting ready for a bodybuilding contest, that's what I'm doing. And it, it really – it's a real mind game. It's, it's a mind game way more than a physical game.
0: So is that, is that the time – because we were talking before about getting a set point, you know, having a level of strength as a male or female where you feel fit, but knowing you can you know, dial it up a bit forward. So I, I like a four- or six-week dial. So if I had to be fit for whatever – I, I train hard for four to six weeks and you taught me what to do and we'll talk about that lifting heavy weights eating clean mm. but eating a lot more regularly and yes. a lot more protein than my former nutritionist said I had to Absolutely. have and I rang you <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but also the rest and recovery but 16 weeks How how long out do you need to really get into that shape now?
1: getting ready for a bodybuilding contest is very different to me getting ready for a fitness expo where i've got to look good and there'll be some photos and i have to have my arms hanging out or getting ready for a video shoot or photo shoot so like you video shoot photo shoot four to six weeks bodybuilding contest where you're in a small pair of trunks and you've got to be below five percent body fat 20. 25
0: percent that's that's lean it's
1: very lean it's very lean so the skin to give the listeners some idea if you pinch the skin on the back of your hand that's about the thickness of skin all over your body your glutes your abs your lower back your waist so it's about that thin and there's really no fat there's no physical fat that you can feel subcutaneous so under the skin on your complete body so that five percent really is fat around organs and part of the central nervous system and cell linings that's really where the fat is
0: and how do you measure do you go get a dexa scan when no, you're doing
1: that? no i do calipers and again i don't uh i'm just guessing five percent to be honest andrew you know i think a lot of bodybuilders will exaggerate it and say i was two percent three percent but you'd be dead at that so five percent is like is just straight out of muscle, shrink so wrapped in skin. The, the eight sites. I just do the the pinches, the skin folds. So again, I don't even work out the percentage. I just make sure weekly those sites are coming down.
0: Okay. So for anyone who's going, what the hell are they talking about? People will pinch the bicep, tricep, Tri- subscap, yep. super iliac. Yes. Some thigh- do the pec, cuff, Some do the thigh. I pec. just do
1: four. I just do four. So I do super iliac, subscap, bicep, tricep.
0: Okay. And then you're just looking at your millimetres of fat, and then that's coming down. And then coming there's a down. calculation, millimetres equals estimated percent body fat. Correct. Yeah, correct. So there's some people listening to this going, 5%, I'd love to get under 30%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I reckon, and, and whereas you, you come to multiple events with me, and you would have heard this dozens of times. If there's a question a middle-aged male asks, it is, how do I get fit, stay fit with minimal amount of work? Mm. So, and I, and I tease it out a little bit more. Yep. What do they really want? They want to be lean yeah. and have more muscle mass. Thank you. Thank you. So the bodybuilding lifestyle you spoke about, which is really the fount- fountain of youth. Closest thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is lifting, getting the hormone balance right, Yes. and also mindset. So it's very interesting. Pulling on your thread, almost going to jail at 18, reading the mindfulness, article in a bodybuilding mag. I didn't realise that. And then really tapping into someone like Frank Zane explains, even on the oil rig, when you're getting the the balance between sitting here, I'm talking to you, but also on the balcony looking at it, I know now why you love tinkering with all your products with Gentech. Because back as an 18-year-old, you were mixing shit on the oil rig and you actually, you (laughs) like the molecular. So it's interesting, isn't it, when you trace all this stuff back? Yeah, yeah. But to not get too technical for people, and we'll come to the fountain of youth, What would you say to someone who says, hey, Big Nick, what do I need to do as an average person to get a bit leaner and to put on some muscle, male or
1: female?" It's a combination of weight training and the right nutrition. So with weight training, you don't need to be in the gym, you know, two hours a day, six days a week. You need to be in the gym and lift weights after your warm-ups. And, you know, middle-aged, we do need to warm up. We really need to warm up. And then you, you train with weights hard in the gym for 45 minutes, three to four times a week. That'll be enough on the right program to stimulate muscle growth. So when we're training hard and we get that soreness the next day and the following day, as you know, it's it's a muscle soreness through micro tears in the muscle. So you, you're you not growing in the gym. You get this great pump and you feel like you're getting bigger and growing muscle. You're not. You're breaking muscle down in the gym. So you go in and break the muscle down. So for chest, you'll do a variety of pressing exercises, dumbbell, barbell, bench presses, maybe some flies, and you'll try and get a little stronger each week. You try to. That, you will break down muscle every week you'll get these little micro tears and the muscles will recover a little thicker a little stronger if you give them the time the rest and the nutrition so each body part you train really once a week once every five days if you're training hard with the nutrition as you've mentioned as well you have to get enough protein Shout out to the Greeks. The Greeks named the word protein. I've got it. They invented everything, Andrew. Well, Milo, the Greeks invented everything. Milo, just ask a Greek and they'll tell you. Well, yeah, this <laughs> this is for your wife. Just play her this bit. <laughs> your lovely wife, who you told me
0: when we're having coffee that you miss, and you don't want to be here too yeah, long. Andrew, please. you're on my team.
1: <laughs> you're on my side, thanks, mate. But
0: Milo, the Greek warrior, you know the story Absolutely. about yeah, that. Yeah, Milo, proton, progressive my- Milo had a calf and he did squats, as the story goes. And as the calf grew into a cow, he got bigger, so did his quads. And that was the first known story on progressive overload exactly we'll get get into nutrition just pause back Mm. when you dan and i sat down in a coffee shop in north sydney and you said you only need to do one body part each week yes no i you know i come from a track and field background i was at the institute of sport in tasmania i'd work with multiple sports yes i'd never ever programmed an athlete i studied exercise physiology thought well, my knowledge on cardiovascular conditioning is pretty good on strength I thought it was good. But then, when you said, just do one heavy lift per big body part per week, do you remember what I said to you?
1: No. What did you say? Really? Is that is enough? That, is that enough? That's a common answer.
0: And you said, i had been doing that. And you weren't being a smart ass, but mm. you just, you I think you may have pointed a little bit <laughs> subconsciously, Andrew, I've been doing this for nearly 30 years. And I remember looking at Dan Bradley and Dan was going, <laughs> as if to say, shut the fuck up, former middle distance runner, <laughs> listen to the big dog. So we embarked on that program. So I, I say when the, especially middle-aged male or female asked me, how do you like, what do you do? I'll just, I just—I often tell your story. It's in my book, Match Fit. Mm. Lift heavy. Yeah. Do one body part per week. Now, a lot of people don't have three or four times to go to the
1: gym, mm. so just go
0: twice. Twice, yeah. Upper do a body one program. day
1: and lower body the other day. Absolutely. So we've got the time to do it. We've got the time for this bodybuilding lifestyle, uh, and to change our body composition. And you do need to train with intensity. So I see so many people failing in the gym because they train far too often without enough intensity.
0: My best mate Mario, I train with him about once a fortnight. He's got a gym just up the road here, right? In a big uh, apartment complex where I used to live.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a guy that goes in there. God love him. He goes into the gym. Every time I'm there, I see him. And when I used to live there, but he's there for two hours. So his wife must think he trains so hard, but he's on his freaking phone. And I feel like saying, hey, champ, leave your phone. Let's go lift some heavy shit. Let's do some squats, some deadlifts, some bench, some chin ups, you know,
1: round out those delts and and get out of here. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's the thing. If you're there, your Mars will make it productive, right? And I'm more, yeah, it's it's one of those. Again, it's a mindset thing. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And I just find the way you train in the gym is the way you lift uh, or the way you live. Sorry. I just, I don't know. Go there, maximize it. Intent. Maximize what you're doing. So, person listening to this
0: who wants to get more muscle. Gym two or three times a week? Yep. Tell me, what does the workout look like? What would day one and day... Well, let's go a two-day split.
1: A two-day split. So I'd probably do a two-day split. I would probably do chest, shoulders, and arms on that day. I'd probably do chest, shoulders, and arms on that day because, again, it's their body parts that most blokes really want to develop.
0: And, and compound when you do bench, you are doing... You're doing a little bit of anterior delt, and you're right. doing triceps. So, so again, we focus mainly efficient.
1: compound. Yeah, mainly compound movements. All your pressing movements for for chest, mm. shoulders. How, how many? Movements.
0: So I'm, I'm going to play like I don't know what you do. Yep. How many different chest exercises? How many different shoulder? How many different tricep exercises? Are you
1: a complete beginner, or are you a guy that's been messing around there and not Let's really getting do results?
0: Both. Let's do complete beginner, so they don't tear a tendon and end up having physio, and let's do someone intermediate who needs to dial it up a
1: bit? Complete beginner, I'd say two chest exercises, a compound, like a pressing movement of some sort, whether it's bench press with a bar, bench press with a dumbbell, and a fly, a fly movement. Dumbbell's always better. Yep, a flying movement. For shoulders, we would do a pressing movement for shoulders, and then we would do a side lateral raise for shoulders as well for to really cap out the side delts and you taught
0: me as well shoulders is more of a slow twitch muscle as are your calves Correct. so shoulders you actually need to do a little bit more reps more volume, for
1: absolutely yeah. yeah there's certain body parts like that that love the volume and they love they love the high reps. so if you think about your chest like a chicken breast is that white power fibers the breast the power it's the power stuff so six to ten reps is really good the really heavy stuff for chest works really well but I find for biceps, triceps, shoulders, push the reps up a little bit, 12, 15, 20 repetitions per set to get a better result.
0: My, my partner, Tony, we've been training on a Thursday. She's had two kids. I've helped in that a little bit. But she's done the lion's share of the work. And then <laughs> we're, we're training. You know, there's a whiz on a Thursday again. And in the gym two weeks ago, Tony said to me, babe, you're, really, you're looking really good for your age. And like, you yeah, know, for oh, your age. Yeah, and then she just laughed. Matter. She said, I'm winding you up. She said, have you been doing much delts, though?
1: <laughs> she? she's onto it she said delts she said I'm delts oh, gee, I like, I like has, your missus she has
0: lifted and she said yeah but I just think you could do a little bit more delts so I've been freaking hammering my delts they've been all.
1: so sore you only need someone to say that uh, aren't we pathetic like our <sighs> wife will say something hopeless and hopeless. we're just we're on it yeah. we're on it, yeah. it just, so we still got that little self esteem thing going on deep down so that's day one. So you're going about two big two, exercises. Yeah, two for chairs, two for shoulders, two for buys, two for tries, plenty. Uh, and then I would do, you know, I'd have a day off, maybe two days off, and then go in and do back and legs. I'd start with back. I'd move on to something like Romanian deadlifts. I find these big compounds, you know, for the whole, uh, you know, posterior chain and functionality as well. Something like a Romanian deadlift is so good for the hamstrings, the glutes, the lie back. So I'd do back, I'd go to Romanian deadlifts, and I'd finish off with quads. And again, I'd probably do... Yeah, two movements on the back, Romanian deadlifts and a curl on the hamstrings, and then maybe um a squat and a leg extension for the quads. Okay. I'd throw an isolation in so, there.
0: And and you'd want to get that really nice pop, don't you, with the VMO, the vacuum. Yeah, absolutely
1: absolutely. I like doing I think bodybuilding training. To use isolation movements as well as compound. If we were just doing strength, if we were just doing pure strength training, you stick with compound movements, the squatting, the pressing, yeah. you know Which is
0: more the athlete type. That's why? more the
1: athlete if you're going, you're doing strength. But with bodybuilding, I find that the isolation movements allow us to get that volume up a little bit. And we do need there's a relationship between volume and load. And as bodybuilders for maximum muscle growth, we need both. You know, and, and when I'm saying maximum muscle growth, don't think you're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. You know, prime years after a few weeks of training, it is just such a slow process. It takes time,
0: doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: and anyone that's messed around in the gym that's come to me and asked the question you're asking, they know that.
0: So, if so they ask an, an informed question. After that, it's so a question to Nick. How do I look remotely like you as a middle-aged male, middle-aged female wanting to get some lean body mass? What should I do? 2 days split, lift heavy. Yep. How long is it going to take?
1: Oh, it's just a slow progression. I mean, how how long's a piece of string? You, you will progress slowly, slowly, slowly. The Greeks say cigar, cigar, slowly, 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 Cigar cigar. So the, the longer that you train, the amount of weeks and the months and the years that you train, and as long as it's progressive overload, you're getting a little stronger, your muscles will continue to grow. But I think if you're on the right nutrition plan, you start training like that, you'll start to see a result in three to four weeks.
0: Okay. And the right nutrition plan. Talk to me about that. I, and before you do... This is where I love the bodybuilding movement Mm. because in Australia, a lot of the myth information has come from dietitians over the years. Mm. There's some great dietitians, but I think there's some dietitians. uh, I'm probably going to get stoned for this, but I'm going to say it. If I've got someone teaching me about nutrition, I'd look at them. I've known a lot of dietitians, lovely people, but I look at them and go, do you really understand about glycogen and glucose control? Do you really understand about macro, micro when you look like that? Whereas I look at you blokes and go, yeah, okay, I'm going to open up and and totally go in with a beginner's mind because bodybuilding is a science and an art. Yes, very much so, yes. I think sometimes the dietitians just go, science says this. But the articles, the peer-reviewed journals,
1: a lot of those were three, four, five years ago. Mm. Times change. Absolutely, times change. I love that relationship between science and art. And there's so many – actually, there was a top Australian sprinter. He was an Olympian, got a bronze at the Olympics many years ago, trains at City Gym. And he said something to me that – he said, "I love bodybuilding." He said, "I love the science and the art." And he said, "I trained in the U.S." He got a bronze at the Olympics. I can't remember what year. My, he said, "I had a bunch of different coaches. There was one that was all about the science and the data, the data, the data, the data." And he said, "My favorite coach was a bit about the art and the magic." And he said, and "He brought in, he brought in this strength coach to do some weight training with me, and it was Charles Glass." And he said, "I didn't know who Charles Glass was, but he's this bodybuilding yeah. um, personal trainer." Oh, Been I was going to say years. Charles Poliquin. Like, no, Poliquin he wasn't was the Poliquin. guy
0: who was behind.
1: <sighs> See, I love oh, Poliquin too, yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, Poliquin loves bodybuilding. So Poliquin was, it may rest in peace, he was a guy that loves the science and the data, but he loved the old school bodybuilding practices and he would constantly use them in his books and in his programming because he'd see things like supersets, giant sets, double sets, and there's more and more articles on this sort of stuff. But that relationship between the science and the art, you know, really, I don't know. I think, I think life in general, as well as your sport, as well as your business, There's always a little bit of magic, you know, in some sort of success. There's a little bit of things just came together. Things just felt right that day. Like there's a little bit of magic. There's a little bit of art that, I don't know, I can't ignore that. You know, I'm very much about that as much as I am the science. Very mm. much so. Mm. So on, on nutrition, mm. I know what
0: you got me to eat. What would you tell that person who wants to get leaner, put okay. a bit of muscle?
1: Lean source proteins with every single meal. So when we're talking about lean source proteins, egg whites, you can throw a couple of yolks in as well, just not too many. Um, you might do six and two. If you're having eggs for brecci, chicken breast, fish- if the fatty fish is fine. Don't be scared of the fat. Please don't be scared of the fat. Lean beef is great for building muscle and even losing body fat. People think, oh, you just eat fish and chicken when you're getting lean. You don't eat beef or lamb. Eat the beef. Eat the lamb. Get the lean cuts, though, of the beef and the lamb. Eat the fatty fish. Eat the salmon. So these lean source protein, with every single meal, quality complex carbohydrates, un processed. You cannot have processed carbohydrates if you want to lose body fat.
0: Processed carbs if anyone's listening to this, that's the donuts. That's the croissants. And it's that's pure the sugar. Processed pasta, all that that's stuff. That's
1: right. Cuz even if you look at white bread and we measure carbohydrates response to to blood sugar on their glycemic index which you mentioned before and glycemic index is 100. So pure glucose has a glycemic index of 100. You consume glucose, your blood sugar rises very very quickly. Very quickly. Now insulin is a hormone that we produce. Diabetics can't, but we produce from the pancreas. Insulin brings blood sugar down, so you don't go hyperglycemic. So insulin's main role is to bring down blood sugar. Now, listen to this. If I can say one thing, if someone wants to lose body fat, when you consume sugar, you produce insulin. When insulin is present in the bloodstream, it is impossible to burn fat as fuel. When you consume sugar you produce insulin when insulin is present in the bloodstream it's impossible to burn fat as fuel so if you're going to do cardio fast doesn't to burn matter fat, how much you do doesn't matter doesn't matter if you've got sugars in the bloodstream and insulin in the bloodstream, your body will not tap into fat for a fuel source, and that's what you're trying to do. You want to get lean. You have complex carbs with a low glycemic index, so brown rice. If you're going to have pasta, do wholemeal. If you're going to have bread, which I don't recommend because it's processed, you have wholemeal sweet, sweet, sweet potatoes, potato. jacket potatoes, rolled oats, or oatmeal, or you know all of the different great grains that you can have for brekkie. Buckwheat, you know, millet. There's a bunch of them and then uh, plenty of green fibrous veggies, plenty of fibrous vegetables, little bit of fruit's okay. So as a
0: model, you think of your plate.
1: Yes. As much veggie as you want. As much as you want. Most go a third, a third, a third, go as much as you
0: want. I like the half, quarter, quarter, and depending on where you are a dab of fat. So a quarter of your plate should be vegetables. Yes. A quarter, as you said, lean, good protein. Yep. And a quarter is those performance carbs.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So half veggies, quarter lean source protein, quarter complex carbohydrates with some fats in there somewhere. Some so whether it's olive oil, a bit of olive oil, avocado. some avocado, some nuts, Because people listening to this aren't going to be competing at the World Mr. Universe like That's you are. That's right. But it's easy to do, you know. And, and like we've said, for me to get ready for Mr. Universe, it's 20 weeks of five solid meals a day and a post-workout protein shake. 20 weeks of that. For me to look pretty good year-round, it's four meals a day. Which is not and a protein shake. It's not that hard. I could get away with three meals a day, and it's the same sort of food. I ca- carry a bit more muscle mass, so I probably eat a bit more protein and complex carbs than the average person. But otherwise, it's the same stuff, Andrew. That was
0: a big thing I learned from you. It was having five or six meals a day, and, and mm. I don't do that now. No, you don't need to. And I, and I want to ask you about fasting. We'll get to that in a moment, but it is eating. Smaller meals with that that compound we spoke about yes. more regularly, so you're fueling the muscle, yes. and when you lift, go freaking hard, and then recover, which we'll get to. But that that was that was a change for me, Nick. Not just having brekkie, lunch, dinner. It was actually having white, basically protein. It was a egg white yeah. shake. Yep. And then having a meal around ten thirty or eleven. Yes. A later lunch. Yes. An afternoon protein shake and then dinner. Yep. So it was over the day. It was
1: yeah five yep. serves. Yeah.
0: But it wasn't just having one big serve. Yeah.
1: It's great. And again, the science doesn't support this, Andrew. Like, bodybuilders will eat these small meals throughout the day, five to six small meals. My reasoning and rationale, and again, science doesn't support it, but my rationale is – as we get older, the metabolism is constantly trying to slow down. And the two things that we do that stimulate metabolism are obviously exercise. The other one is eating. And eating foods like fibrous green vegetables and lean source proteins really stimulate the metabolism. Eating processed carbs doesn't, and it gives you all of this sugar and spikes your insulin. So you want to get lean, you stay away from those processed carbs. But eating small meals often, to me, stimulates your metabolism. The other thing that it does is give you digestible amounts of food. So you digestive system's working better, your belly's nice and flat, your energy levels are higher. You know, you don't have this big meal in your belly from lunchtime trying to digest and feel get the afternoon sluggish feeling. You don't get that. So you have these small meals often. So the other thing it does is reduce cortisol every time you eat. So reducing that cortisol, calming you down, allowing you to build muscle and recover. So that cortisol thing has a relationship it's, as well. It's
0: grazing, not gorging. I've been thinking about this and I want to ask you, I don't know where it fits in. I, I do for me, N equals one, but I want to know where it fits in for you. Since we worked together for my six-week shred, yeah. I've added fasting and it works. So I will do a 16-hour fast at least three times a week.
1: Wow, that often?
0: Yeah, yeah. And into like changing, so I don't do it the same day all the time because, you know, fasting goes back to prehistoric times where you'd have a feast and then you'd have famine. So you're shocking you well, we have no the choice. Absolutely, whereas now we just have 24-7 food, speed dial. But I'll do, yeah, 15 to 16 hours, three times a week. At least twice, I'll try and do what I call a hormesis super stack. So on the end of it, so a 15-hour fast, I'll try and eat 7 p.m. the night before. So around about 11 a.m. the next morning, go and lift up the road. Do the big lifts you taught me. And how do you
1: feel after being fasted? Your strength is still great? I'll have a couple of
0: coffees, either a black coffee or a piccolo. So just a dash of milk, so I'm, I'm still... Depending on the research, the purists will go, you're not fasting. Yeah. Those that are saying, hey, you're not an elite athlete anymore and you're doing this for performance, more the way you look and the way you think, you're okay to have a few You're getting copies.
1: 20 calories from the milk in the piccolo. Yeah.
0: I, I, I find it, I'm easy now. I'm, I'm used to it. So I do the big lift and then jump in the sauna for 10 or 15 minutes and I just feel my body burning. Now, the results though, I'm, I've kept my lean body mass the last couple of years. I'm doing a lot less cardio I'm doing more weights. I reckon fasting's a game changer. That for me and swimming in cold water. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's funny how the body adapts so yeah. well. So what do you feel it really doing for you, the fasting? I know the
0: research behind it. So let me park the research and go how I feel. It's discipline,
1: mm. one thing. Mm. Do you get hungry? You wake up hungry the next morning?
0: No, I don't now. Yeah, I've got used to it. Whereas I, I you know, as a runner, I was – in the Institute of Sport, educated when we had the ridiculous food pyramid, which was eat as much pasta, bread as you want. Mm. I think we then had sugar up the top as well, like just ridiculous that we're giving that info to people. I then enjoy my food. So I feel like I've got a better relationship with food now. I didn't realise I was such an emotional eater. Mm. So it's helped me regulate food and emotions. Mm. And I'm eating less because one thing I know, again, metabolically, we don't process food like alcohol in our 40s and 50s and also carbs. So we get a, a, a filing down of the villi in the small intestine. Yes. My mum is celiac. Is that
1: why? Is that why we just don't need as much carbohydrates as we get older? We, don't need we just much. don't need them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So mum's celiac, my brother's celiac. I've, I definitely am gluten intolerant if I have too much. So all that wrapping up i don't know is it the discipline is it the way i feel is it because it's keeping me lean i don't know but it works and i've Mm. seen a bunch of science but then i still will eats in my feeding window regularly, so I'm sort of combining what you taught me and fasting together. It's
1: great. It's great. So you're eating digestible amounts of unprocessed food, and and time. even
0: thinking about That's it, great. metabolic flexibility. Because on the days I'm not fasting, I will eat every two to three hours. I think Wiz, you and the guys here laugh sometimes because I'm always eating.
1: Yeah, <laughs> how good and you're lean. Your body fat's low. You're in great shape. How old are you, Andrew? Fifty. You're fifty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seventy three. Born in seventy three. Seventy three. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we've got lifting heavy a few times a week. We've spoken about what your plate should look like. Yes.
1: Recovery. Mm, Nothing beats good old-fashioned sleep. And for busy people, current day, Sydney, children, business, this is is one of the hardest things. You know, I always say nutrition is the hardest thing, but if you're prepared or you have an office set up as you do and you've got a couple of good eating places where you know you can go get your food, as long as you're prepared and know you can get your food, It's not not that hard. You can make all those foods taste good. And again, it's your relationship to food that's got to change. Make it tasty. Go and have your salmon and brown rice and salad and get the herbs that you want on it. And just, I don't know, the foods are beautiful. We've got such good produce still in this country to be enjoyed. The sleep and the recovery might be the toughest thing in the modern day. The discipline to me starts the night before, putting down the phone, getting off the screens, Picking up a book or having a routine where you wind down and get some hours before midnight. Mm. If you can do that, you can be an early riser and be productive all day long, but the discipline is the night before, so nothing beats good old-fashioned sleep.
0: Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well being, becoming burnout proof, connection, and belonging. That's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills, and leadership and culture, or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including a morning wake up, energy breaks, team building activities, and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com keynotes. And it's a parasympathetic nervous system. So, Dr. Tom Buckley. Yeah. You haven't met Dr. Tom, have no. you? No. I have to uh, get you and him in a podcast one day. Jeez. Mm. Imagine the, the science and the depth on that whiz. But we, we put an ECG on our clients, our high-end clients, for 48 hours. Oh, wow. And then we look at what percentage of the day is sympathetic or mm-hmm. stress. Yes. What percentage is parasympathetic, parasympathetic. or recovery. Mm. And we'll get them to do a good day, switching off 30 minutes before going to bed, all the right stuff that you, know, you and I teach about food and exercise. Then we'll get them to do an experimental day, check your mobile phone before you go to bed, have more than one or two glasses of wine, you know, give mm-hmm. it a nudge, mm. and then we watch the next day. Resting heart rate through the roof, heart rate variability crashes. And we look at the night, some people get barely any parasympathetic. So it really is that relationship between stress and recovery. And I've heard you say this, that's where the magic happens when you sleep and recover. That's when you, you know, that sliding filament theory and you, you're tearing the actin and myosin, getting all nerdy on you now, champ. No, no, I um, love it. Love it. But love it. That's where it grows and your muscle repacks. So exactly. without that, and and Hey, what's a hack? Oh God, if I hear someone say when I'm doing a talk, "What's a hack?" There's no freaking hack. There's no hack know. for recovery. Lift, eat, connect with people, be a nice human, and then yeah, recover.
1: Yeah, yes, that's it, isn't it? There's some good basics. Am I missing that's anything? That's a take home. You're missing nothing there. Connect with people. That's what. Uh, that's what we don't do as bodybuilders as, as much, you know. Really, but no, but we do. No, we do. That's why training in a place like City Gym. It's a great community. It's a tribe. It's a great community. It's absolutely yeah. a tribe without being labelled that.
0: Mm. Now. Trying to think the year it would have been about 2015. I was driving – this stage, I lived up the road on the North Shore, driving over the Harbour Bridge. I was doing some consulting work. I hadn't sold to KPMG, but I was in the process doing mm-hmm. some work with them. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my best mate, Mario. I mentioned him before. I'm, I'm going to have to give Mario royalty for this podcast today. <laughs> and I'd just gone over into York Street – and I'm in the middle of talking tomorrow. It's the start of spring. I went, fuck, wow. He went, oh, how good spring. <laughs> I went, no, 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 mate. It's not anyone in a dress or any guy in a suit. There's nothing wrong with, you know, appreciating both sexes. <laughs> yeah. He said, mate, what is it? I said, it's a bus. He said, are you that excited about a bus? He said, Andy, what's going on, mate? I said, mate, it's that. Have a look.
1: Oh, yes.
0: It's The Expendables 3. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of talking to Mario, and then I've gone, fuck, he's thought I've seen you know, something to divert my attention. And I said, no, mate, it's a bus with a whole heap of men. And <laughs> they go tell me more. You got me interested. Go through who who is in that photo.
1: I don't have my glasses on, but it's Jason Statham. It's my favorite, obviously, Sylvester Stallone. Dolph Lundgren, who was on the f- cover of my first Muscle & Fitness magazine that I read. I think Arnold's in the back. Yep, uh, Jet Lee,
0: Wesley uh, Snipes in there. I think Wesley they even Snipes snuck in, in Kelsey
1: Grammer. Uh, yeah, there's. I was going to say there's a girl, Harrison in there. Ford, Mel Gibson's in that photo. It, oh, really? See, my my my. Gla- I don't have my glasses on, yeah. and I'll give
0: you the ages. And we'll do this on the YouTube video. Which we'll put this picture up. They all look so healthy. Yeah. Ridiculous. Oh, how could I Great. forget Terry Crews? Yeah, Terry Crews
1: as well. Yeah. He's, he's a beast. the ages. He's a so
0: beast. this is back in 2015 when this was released. Harrison Ford was 71. Sylvester Stallone 67. Schwarzenegger, Arnie, 66. Kelsey Grammer, 58. And he was fit for that. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't yes. Frazier, He was yes. the Jack Absolutely. guy in Expendables. Absolutely. Dolph Lundgren, 55. Antonio Banderas, 53. Terry Crews, forty-seven, and Jason Statham was forty-six. Now there's a few others as well. They are all so lean, so jacked.
1: Yeah, it's so it's inspiring, isn't it? For guys like us, it's because they were my child. Most of them were my childhood heroes. Well, I guess Arnold and Stallone certainly.
0: Yeah. Now, do they? And I'm, I'm I'm being provocative here, Nick. Do they just lift heavy twice a week? Do they follow that food visual we said: half plant, quarter protein, quarter performance carbs, a little bit of fat and good stress and recovery, or are they tapping the fountain of youth?
1: I mean, I don't. I can't. I don't know. I can't say that I know that. But my assumption, and again, they you know what they say about assumptions. But my assumptions from ex- my experience is yes, they are doing the food. Yes, they are lifting heavy and doing all the training. And I'd say at their ages, they will at least be on hormone replacement therapy. Those guys, because again, at those ages, into your sixties and seventies, to have that drive, to have that spring in your step, to want to get in and lift heavy, to write and direct. The Expendables 3 and be shooting... At ...16, 16 hours a day they shoot. Mm. You know that with a movie thing. 16 hours a day they shoot. And those guys will shoot in the middle of the jungle in the wet creek at 3am to just get the shot. Like, I reckon they deserve their money. They earn their money. But, but to have the drive and the zest for life at that age to do that... And to look like that, I would have to. I would have to think. In, I mean, in the US, it's very common mm. for for men in their fifties, sixties, seventies to be using hormone replacement therapy, as women do you know in countries all over the world especially this country but I think with the men in this country it's not it's not so popular it's still very taboo but in the US you look at them they look like the picture of health and certainly if they are using hormones you know Stallone well into his 70s Arnold well into his 70s still training still traveling the world still working still Still raising family still eating properly and you know I know when The Rock was here he was eating he didn't in, it was an interview on TV and he was saying he was in great shape he was saying how he eats it was fish rice and broccoli they, they just bring it to him every time he's in his room that's that's the order as soon as he turns up it's salmon rice and broccoli he's got bigger I, I saw oh, an article
0: they had Fast and the Furious which
1: I love yeah yeah, yeah just just, <laughs> and, and, and I love watching with my kids
0: I've seen every action. one of them so when Fast and the Furious what are they up to he's 56 or something <laughs> yeah, comes out Thirty two. so I'm old hashtag and you've always got Vin Diesel there, you know. Yeah, he's great. But I saw the rock in the first one to the last one. He's getting
1: bigger. Bigger and bigger. Yeah. Loves training.
0: Loves it. Loves training. And this is the bit I'm excited to talk to you about and, and mm. credit to you because we don't talk about this enough. It's sort of mm. subterfuge here. Don't talk about it. But absolutely. in America, like Joe Rogan has openly spoken about peptides and testosterone and growth hormone in his podcast and he gets guests on. Was in Australia, we don't. And I think we need to be educated about this. Yes. Not so, oh, go and use it. Just how are people doing this? And let's challenge the mindset with a beginner's mind.
1: Yeah, Absolutely
0: three things, anabolic steroids, peptides, human growth hormone. I'll give you my understanding of it and then tell me the benefits and side effects. Sure. So anabolic steroids, synthetic hormones that imitate hormones, specifically testosterone, they are used due to their anabolic effects and assist in the growth and repair of muscle tissue. Yes. Yes. Benefits increase in muscle strength very quickly it means that people are able to train more often and for longer periods of time. That's why a lot of athletes take steroids. It's not actually the steroid, it accelerates the recovery. The recovery, exactly. Decreased body fat percentage, you look good, improved bone mineral density, better muscle endurance, increased red blood cells, so plasma production as well. Mm. Have I missed any?
1: No. What are the side effects, though? Because, I mean, why, why wouldn't you want to take it well, if
0: that, if the, that's there. This is benefit. why I commend you for having this conversation. Sure. Because when I studied exercise physiology, we had lecturers who knew nothing about this. Of course. Who hadn't trained, who'd been in a lab. Like, literally, some of our lecturers were laboratory assistants, wonderful researchers. Sure. And they're teaching us on the side effects of steroids. And I can remember as an 18-year-old, Just and I asked a question, oh, have you ever taken steroids? And the whole room
1: looked at me and went, oh! Have yeah, it's like asking them if they masturbate, like, isn't it?
0: Yeah, asking mm. who mm. they
1: masturbate. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> see, in the same Who's, category. Oh that? my no. God, your guts. you can't ask that. <laughs> Wizard? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ask that. You don't have to answer that, by the way.
0: <laughs> Friend of mine. So, so we were taught back then, it's going to shrink your balls, your penis is going to
1: implode, mm.
0: um, you're going to get Man, boobs. Mm. Your hormone level is going to be shot, and you'll probably have a heart attack.
1: Yeah, and you will never have kids too, probably. Mm. Yeah, because
0: yeah, you end up with two little dried peas. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. So where do they get these side effects from? Because when I look at the I expendables and I look mm. at what what the data is saying about reported side effects, irritability, mood swings, damage to nerves uh, from injecting steroids, fluid retention, fertility issues, small balls, depression. I know some people have gone on HRT, hormone replacement therapy, and they're much happier.
1: Much happier, improve their depression, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: And and, and I'm not, you know, I'm I'm, I'm
1: being neutral. I'm just trying to open
0: a conversation and
1: explore it. I think all those side effects you're talking about probably would be applicable to something like alcohol when it comes to abuse. So I would say that would be abuse of anabolic steroids could potentially cause all of those side effects. I have no doubt that the abuse of them could could cause all of those. Again, it's, it's the abu- if you abuse alcohol, you know, you'd be dead. In a f- some people will be dead in a couple of years if they abuse alcohol. So it's not the hormone or the chemical, it's the dose? It's the dose. It's the dose. And I think this is where the Americans and these guys we're talking about, they've got it down, Pat, because they've got doctors over there that specialize in wellness, and anti-aging. There are many clinics like that. So if you go over as a as a fifty year old man and your testosterone levels are in single figures, because I think the range is eight to thirty, if you rock in and you say, "Look, I'm really flat and depressed," and yeah, I- just
0: on that, because that's a really important marker. Yeah. And so when Dr. Tom and I work with our high end execs, yeah. we look at we get their our uh, testosterone or DHEA, right. the precursor yes. to testosterone. Great. Less than 9.5 is low. Yep. Average is about 15 15 millilitres per – sorry, 15 millimetres per litre. Mm. And high is about 28 plus. Yes, yes. So looking at these guys in the picture, I reckon they'd all be in the twenties, 20 plus, right? Because they've got, you would think, a specialist in an anti-age clinic Mm. really looking at those metabolic markers. Absolutely. The
1: science on this – dialing it up, dialing it down to get it precise. Absolutely. And I think they probably do it so much over there. They pretty much know with most guys at their particular age, their lifestyle, their current testosterone levels, they probably know around about how much testosterone they need, around about how much growth hormone they need to be up in the high 20s consistently, not up, not down. They know how much growth hormone they need to be up in the levels they're at when they're in their 20s and 30s. So they are optimal- but of course, when they're doing the blood work for the hormone testing, they test liver function, mm. kidney function, hemoglobin, because that you can get a thickening of the blood if your testosterone levels are too high. So all of these other markers that everyone should be doing for good health as well, you know, your cholesterols, your insulin levels, your blood sugar They do all of that sort of stuff so they can see that these guys are optimal in their health. You know, they're not blue, purple looking skin with water retention and acne. And there's some obvious side effects from anabolic use and abuse. I can walk into most gyms and tell you, you know, pick out a handful of guys straight away that are on anabolics because you can see- You can see straight away. You can see some of those side effects, but again, it's abuse. If I went in and, and looked at your corporate clients in their 50s that are on HRT, I would look at them and go, geez, that guy looks good for his age. He looks healthy.
0: Can you can you pick who's on HRT? Nah,
1: No. Nah.
0: So explain HRT for someone listening who's got no idea.
1: Hormone replacement therapy. Very, very common for ladies in this country. Very well accepted. Very well my, promoted my and encouraged. My
0: mum's friends, and mum and her friends, got love them and they're in their mid-70s, they'll openly say, oh, Cheryl's on HRT and she's so much happier and she's lost That's weight. That's right. Yeah, it's a taboo, though, right? For a guy to say I'm on hormone replacement.
1: Oh, yeah, because it's the it's that T word is like testosterone. It's it's oh no, he's going to start bashing people at the lights and and turn into this crazy aggressive lunatic. Again, you know, it, it, it would be a combination of testosterone and growth hormone. And, and you know, if you can use levels that uh, you had in your twenties and thirties. So again, we are talking about being in the range. Why wouldn't you if you're living with these levels of four? and you're struggling to get out of bed you're depressed you don't have the motivation you're getting this extra roll of body fat that you just can't seem to control you don't feel like training in the gym you're not recovering in the gym you're losing muscle mass sarcopenia as we age can be reversed simply by some training and and uh, we don't talk about
0: sarcopenia enough we talk about
1: osteoporosis
0: which is a wasting away of bone density absolutely sarcopenia is the loss in muscle mass yes i've read nick that from Around forty years of age, the average person every decade loses about two point two to two point five kilograms of muscle. Yeah. Yeah. It's dramatic, isn't it? But we keep the
1: same weight because we're putting on body fat. And that's that's a lot of lean muscle. Your body will look very different. You get two and a half kilos of lean steak. The same weight, but you're round. Yeah. You look at you get two and a half kilos of lean steak. Look how much lean muscle mass that is. You start pulling that off the body and putting the fat on in its place. Yeah, your, your body composition changes and the way you look and obviously the way you feel is uh, not great. So testosterone or anabolic steroids,
0: mm. human growth hormone, is a natural hormone produced by your pituitary gland. Yes. HGH helps maintain normal body structure and metabolism, helps you keep your blood sugar, glucose levels within a healthy range. The use of HDA in sport today is not only based on its anabolic properties, but also its effect on carbohydrate and fat metabolism. Benefits are purported to be increased exercise capacity, bone density, increased muscle mass, decreased body fat. A lot of good stuff. (laughs) Mate, I'm sold. Talk to me about the dance between the HGH and, and anabolic steroids.
1: Yeah, obviously very, very different hormones, very different function in the body. HGH, again, you know, the, a lack of HGH in young adolescents causes dwarfism, so that the dwarfs, children that are not growing at a, at a rate as to what they should, they will use HGH then. It's been used for decades and decades and decades for that. I think HGH, human growth hormone, and specifically around what you've said as the benefits, would be the closest thing to the fountain of youth. I think it's probably only half. I mean, if you used HGH without the testosterone and you had those very low testosterone levels, I don't think the HGH would be enough to regenerate your own production. I think when you get to a certain age, uh, like the ladies do with uh, menopause, you're just not producing enough of the hormone anymore and you're just not going to. So I'd say the HGH works very very differently uh, you know you, you've nailed the benefits there testosterone really quite different testosterone is more the masculinizing has a much i'd say it have a, have a much more dramatic effect on that aggression and i don't want to say that in a bad way the aggress- like that drive the you know the get up and go the drive the zest for life the want to get out of bed in the morning that spring in your step when all that is gone due to low testosterone levels. And again, Andrew, for the the corporates that have these really high stressful lifestyles that are not training, so at least with you and I, we're doing all the things to maximize our natural production of testosterone. So the heavy compound weight training stimulates testosterone. Getting enough sleep is when you produce the majority of your testosterone and growth hormone. So without the sleep, without the good quality sleep, you're not gonna be producing your growth hormone and testosterone as well due to that even the the right nutrition. So we're doing all the right things. We're doing all the right things to to augment it. But even then, I just think of the guys that are not, what chance have they got?
0: And I've also read, or part of the research Dr. Tom gave me, is the average male will lose, their their testosterone levels will drop 1% every year from 40 onwards if you do nothing about it. Wow. That's a pretty depressing stat, isn't it? Your testosterone, testosterone level's dropping 1%. Mm. The average person's putting on 2.2 to 2.5 kilograms of fat because they're replacing that muscle. And then they get to their 70s and go, yeah, God, I'm old. They look old, think old, act old, play old.
1: It wasn't in the brochure all this stuff, mate, was it? You probably would have, no- wasn't. Probably would have knocked it back. wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't. Was <laughs> it? Probably-
0: I've got one more thing, and I, and I yeah. love that we're, we're talking about this. Peptides yes. stimulate the release of human growth hormone. Short chains of amino acids that occur naturally in foods in your body. Manufacturers can isolate them from natural sources or make them artificially. Benefits they're hard to detect as they're absorbed quickly. This has really come to life with peptides. And again, how little we know... When the uh, supplement saga, which was Essendon Football Club and AFL and Cronulla Sharks and yes, NRL, yes. people go, oh, my God, they're drug addicts. I, yes. I heard you know, people, I know educated people say, oh, they're drug addicts. I said, no, they're taking peptides. Mm. Increased speed strength endurance lean muscle and reduce signs of aging so there's some similarities between all those but Mm. obviously different compounds
1: yeah absolutely yeah they're they're amino acid chains that stimulate your body to produce growth hormone to stimulate your body to produce testosterone or more so to keep testosterone active selective androgen receptor modulators yeah Yeah, the modulators so they allow your testosterone to stay as testosterone and and bind to muscle sites more readily and again they're, they're peptides from natural sources you know, the whole thing of sticking a needle into your body as an athlete is taboo. So, you know, the other, I think it was the Brisbane Bears when they were using electrolyte drips. was it the Bears yeah, yeah. at halftime? Yeah. Again, it was, they electrolytes, my goodness, but they're injecting them. So as, again, a general public, it's really taboo once you start talking needles and injecting substances, natural or not. It's a really strange thing, isn't it, the perception? When I was in year
0: 11, I started working in the gym at Dubbo at uh, RSL Bodyline. And it was a great experience. But back then it was aerobics and weights, and I was an aerobics instructor back then. Wow. Yeah, I know. know.
1: Wow. You would have been getting paid good bucks, though. Good Good bucks. I could see you in your short tights up on the stage at about. I level of this room full of ladies in Dubbo. Well, there you are, would have been the biggest hit in Dubbo.
0: There are a lot of anomalies there. Uh, I was an aerobics instructor at Dubbo while my mates were playing footy. That yeah. was interesting. And I was straight. Go figure. <laughs> but anyway, there was a guy- mate, you were smart. <laughs> I was, I'm on to you. You were oh, smart. We'll have a chat offline, mate. Um, <laughs> there was a guy who came to the gym, he had body line, and he was massive, but all out of proportion, all puffy. I know now he was- uh, well, We've heard he was taking horse steroids. Yep. You hear these horror stories where guys have broken into a vet at Kudamunda and they're injecting <laughs> horse steroids and bloody sheep, sheep, testosterone yeah. and everything else. And yes. they're walking around and shitting on the gym floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's that's on the outline, people have got no idea, right? That's another area where I think this is you know, far from that you know, doctor who's working with all the Marvel. Mm. You know, uh, Wizard, you were saying there's a doctor, I think they call him Dr. Marvel, who works with a lot of the... Actors in America? Yeah, I was reading an article about this guy and basically whenever they get hired for a DC movie or a Marvel movie, you know, Chris
1: Pratt, Parks and Rec, bit chubby, bit overweight and then he rocks up in Guardians of the Galaxy just absolutely shredded and I don't think it's that easy. So I've heard that there's this doctor and there's a couple of personal trainers in Hollywood, they just send them to like a boot camp type thing.
0: Would totally make sense if your absolutely. job is your body. Absolutely, which yours is. Yeah, absolutely you know, makes you, sense. You rock up to a fitness conference. Uh, people are going to buy GenTech. You, know, mm. you want to look like the guy on the label.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes and and that this whole thing is so open in the US, and there are these clinics for hormone replacement. So yeah, I think it, it so makes why, sense. Why
0: is it so open in the US, and why is it so taboo here?
1: Oh, might be i mean marijuana is a similar situation right so it's illegal here completely legal over there and and they look at the benefits of it with certain people it's not it's not my bag but um pardon the pun <laughs> but uh it might be the same i don't know just the public perception of testosterone of steroids is really to boot here but you know uh, i guess it, With a lot of people as well, marijuana would be taboo here as well. I'd say I, I can't answer that. I really can't. I think it's a miseducation and misinformation. Mm. Now
0: you've given me permission to ask this next question. Yes, you've competed clean Mm. or or clean. You've you've competed. Is there a better natural? No, natural, clean, steroid-free. Competed where you've taken exogenous substances. Yes. What's the difference for you? Like when you when you Like, how do you feel different? How do you perform different?
1: Yeah, much like you said, the difference with anabolics are they help you to be stronger and help you to recover quicker. So if you don't go into the gym and train harder a little more often, you're just not getting the benefit. All they really do is allow you to get a bit stronger and use more protein to recover quicker. So the protocols with nutrition, with training – with cardiovascular work to lose body fat, are really unchanged because when I was using anabolics and training, I would train so hard, so hard. I was squatting two hundred and thirty kilos for six to eight reps. You know, so I was training so so hard. That's yeah. It was I was wow. strong. I was very strong, but as uh, an 18 year old without ever using anabolics i could squat 180 kilo back then you know so i think oh it's not i think i know there are no real differences in the application of protocols to building muscle and losing fat whether you're using anabolics or not using anabolics i think the athletes that do use them where i mean bodybuilding's not majority of the, the top competitions they're not tested you're not cheating to use anabolics in bodybuilding unless it's a tested natural federation. And all the biggest federations, most popular federations in the world, don't test. There's no drug testing. So it's very openly talked about in the US. They refer to steroids as PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah,
0: yeah. And That's I think sometimes obvious. they call them PEDs, performance-enhancing image drugs but I, ah, I i prefer that peds
1: PEDs, yeah i'd say maybe the media call it PED, and i'd say the athletes call it pd certainly softens the the blow when you say you know i'm using steroids or yeah i'm using peds like all the other athletes and again Uh, you know, it's like the guys that you talked about using the vet steroids. It's very, very different to being an educated athlete. And I mean, I never, never used coaches back in the day with bodybuilding. We'd learn the training, the nutrition, the supplementation. We'd learn all of this ourselves because there were no real bodybuilding coaches back when I first started with bodybuilding. And I've learned enough to not ever need to use a coach. Uh, You've learned all this yourself.
0: Did you step into PEDs by yourself as well? You had to discover that or were there people
1: that helped you? Back when I was bodybuilding and in the NABA days and so forth when I was really big, I think was books. It was all underground books. Really? Yeah, it was underground books. So to find it's the information- So we the underground books we had as kids, it was- porn magazines We're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna lose
0: listeners i can remember at Gleninus high school in year six i was a school captain and i was one of the 16 boys in that year because one of the guys chris archibald found a stash in his dad's backyard in his dad's uh woodworking shed whiz but i don't think he was for he was doing a different form of
2: woodworking <laughs> oh, very oh, good bad dad joke very, so, that was a good so, one that so archibald's cracker.
0: bought them and we we but trampled this grass next to the Catholic school, an old school captain. We got hauled in. Gosh, we got in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, you know, I digress. So, we,
1: we, we learned from magazines. So, you had similar magazines, so, but so we had books, we had underground steroid handbooks, and that's really where you learn. And unlike today with the internet, I think the internet, there's so much information on them these days. I think too much with a lot of things because there is still a lot of myth or misinformation. But I certainly think, you know, the the top athletes, say the top bodybuilders in the world, I think they'd be very educated on what they're doing. I think there would be some abuse going on simply because the size of the open bodybuilding division. I know the classic physique is something that's really nice and fresh where the guys aren't abusing themselves. They're not damaging their health. There's minimal risk. They see their doctors regularly for their blood work and they're very intelligent guys. They're not the guys in the gym using the, the horse and, and the, the sheep and testosterone and shitting on the floor and shitting on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> well, even, you know, there's this, it's just, there's so much widespread use of anabolics these days in normal gyms by normal young guys. The young guys is what concerns me because again, I trained for eight years without using anything. I had some friends in Adelaide that were two of my best friends were naturopaths and they steered me away from it. And that's where I competed in, the non-tested federations as a clean bodybuilder. And I won the Mr. Adelaide. I won the Mr. South Australia Teenage. I went to the Australia and the teenagers were a bit bigger, let me tell you, Andrew. They were a bit bigger than I. And I got fourth in my first Mr. Australia in 91 over in Perth. But then the Natural Federation started. So I was competing with the Natural Federations and won the Junior Mr. Australia and the Open Mr. Australia and Mr. South Australia. And I would say, I I will go on record for saying to use or not to use... Unless you're competing in bodybuilding, don't use. It's better to not. You at a young age, you've got high growth hormone, high testosterone. Us old guys in our fifties, we're just trying to have levels that we had naturally. Hanging on, hanging on, yeah. You know, so I think when you're in your twenties and thirties, especially twenties, every morning you wake up with a kickstand. That's right, that's right. And let me tell you, young guys, it stops happening when you're you're reaching your forties and fifties. So, you know, you do you do not (laughs) you do not depends 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 on what you're doing. Friend friend of yours, yeah, friend friend of mine. I think do it without for as long as you can because it's so much more sustainable and maintainable. The guys that use the anabolics when they're young, you see them like your guys at Dubbo, they blow up with all this water retention, they get all the acne, they just don't need more hormones at that age and a lot of it does cause side effects at that age. So a lot of what you know the media is saying and the road rage and yes, it's abuse, yes, it's misinformation, young guys do not need it, especially to build a good physique, you do not need it. But I'd say like your, your data says they're over the age of 40 testosterone levels decline sarcopenia becomes a real thing where you're losing muscle every single year you're increasing body fat levels every year i think you know that's the time when you look at it and and again andrew We've both got young children still. We both have Mediterranean wives. Or yours are not Mediterranean, but- Lebanese. Lebanese. I think
0: they try and claim that they're in the Mediterranean. Like, yeah,
1: well, similar personalities and culture. Let's- Like, culturally. Calm. <laughs> 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 that what you're saying? Like there's, Absolutely. There's, there's no ups and downs.
0: No, no it's, very it's, loving, very nurturing, yeah, very, not very like, calm. Not like trying to ride a
1: tiger. No, God bless. <laughs> Nothing like <laughs> <laughs> trying to ride a tiger is the best thing I've heard. God bless it. We love them love to bits. Yeah, these days- Days in my 50s, and you in your 50s now as well, to have young children, to be running business, to still be wanting to train. I mean, I'm getting ready for the Mr. Universe, which is very extreme, but outside of getting ready for the Mr. Universe, I still train and have to be like, we need energy to keep up with our kids. We need to live well. We want to live well. I mean, life's a bucket list, mate. And if you don't have the energy and drive to get up every day and try and tick a couple of things off... Oh, I don't know. I would go down the pan pretty quick.
0: I appreciate pretty you quick. being so open. Really, I've, Thank I've, you. I've loved the conversation. Mm. Loved it. You haven't studied sports science officially. No. You've got a really in-depth knowledge on all this. Really in-depth mm. So you've obviously, you've been the experiment. You're the guinea pig. Absolutely. You've gone deep. You told me you get blood work. What sort Mm. of blood work do you regularly
1: get? I get blood work, again, to test my testosterone, my growth hormone, liver function, kidney function, cholesterol, prostate. I'm in my 50s, so prostate, insulin, blood sugar. So all of the markers, everybody should really get tested. How often?
0: Three to six months. So the, the, the levers, any of the levers you're using, you're then tracking those markers so Mm. you're measuring the health of organs you're Mm. you're measuring the health of the internal system Mm. so you can see exactly what's going absolutely so some people will go
1: "Oh, those guys are idiots
0: they've got no idea what they're doing to their body
1: I know better than anyone what the state of my body I actually had my doctor's appointment yesterday and ran through my bloods my testosterone levels are a little high at the moment getting ready for the contest and um, my all of my markers are better than they've ever been even when I wasn't using anabolic so my markers right now, touch wood, everything's like touch wood, beautiful. I'm 52. Uh, I'm busy with business. I try and get my sleep. I'm busy with business. I'm busy with my children. I'm training hard. I'm up at 5.30 doing my cardio, like my, my fat burning walking and uh, training hard in the gym four to five days a week. And uh, my markers are uh, excellent at the moment, but I'm constantly measuring. And it's really what we do. And it's probably a scientific approach, but with a bit of magic. So we do something, we do a training protocol and we measure, we measure our strength. We couple that with the nutrition, we measure our body composition, our muscle tissue and and our body fat loss through the, the skin fold. So you can only do something and measure it. And this is really science. And... I would never dis science. Science is great, but I always found it difficult to always trust data in research that was performed by someone I don't know on a bunch of people that I don't know in a place I don't know and those people that the research is done on, what are their external stresses like? I don't know if they're students. I don't know if they're professionals. I don't know if they have three young children in a company to run. I don't know all of these things. So, the best way for me to work out what works best for me is to try it on myself and measure it. And that's bodybuilding. And really, that's been the joy, one of the joys of bodybuilding for me over the last. I don't know. Fifteen, I started bodybuilding. I'm like fifty-two, so he's coming up to forty years now. One of the joys for me has been exactly that: using myself as a as an experiment, a test tube baby, if you will. But now the test really isn't about just muscularity and winning an international title. Even though I'm getting ready for one, that it is wellness, being really well, having high energy being strong, maintaining muscle tissue into my later years, I'm looking at a guy like Sylvester Stallone going, you're my hero. (laughs) You're my hero. You're in your seventies. You have three young daughters. You have a beautiful wife, um, you know, three three children just like me. And I see the way the guy trains. And I, I watched him do a, it was like a pike on a Pilates bed, so you know what a pike yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, so he was out at full stretch into a pike position, and I saw that maybe five years so ago. So it's,
0: it's an upside down. If, if everyone can think, like if you touched your toes and then you had a, a roller that moved, you yes. come out. So it's like your body's an A-frame.
1: Yeah, your body's an a So and you go flat on the floor with your arms stretched out in front, and then he would pull himself into the pike. So that was well into his 60s, and I'm like, that's that's what it's about. Not just looking like Mr. Universe, but being strong, functional flexible having vitality and loving life three things to close out and i really want to talk about your business yes
0: the first one we do need to just go back to when we're telling people to lift heavy a couple of times a week mm-hmm. to get the right food and also to sleep you've got to move like you've got to get lots of daily movement mm-hmm. so get your steps up or a little bit of low state cardio yes um just want to close that out as well second when i look at global results world records swimming smashing the records track and field smashing the records cycling and there's been open discussions and we know what's happening cycling with a lot of the drugs with uh, marco pantani lance armstrong who've been totally discredited they're all probably doing it but look at so let's double click on track and field and swimming if you watch a world championship and you see that these records are just being smashed. And then we hear they're better shoes.
1: What do you think? How good I think everything is better. And I think everything needs to be better. Again, like building muscle, you just don't take steroids and build muscle. It, do- it doesn't work. It do- You need to do the training, the nutrition, get the rest, use the supplementation. So, yes, they need the swimming costumes. And yes, they need the better shoes. And yes, they need the better training. They need all of that, all of it. But I just... I mean, how many decades has it been now where it's been quite open that there were certain substances being made? Was it Balco Labs? They were making anabolic substances, making them that couldn't be detected?
0: Microdosing. There's a lot of talk in track and field about genetic doping as well. Oh, right. Just dialing up, little micro-dosing, like actually understanding that, that genome and playing with that. It'd be a really interesting podcast to get someone, I don't know who would be an expert
1: in that field. Exactly. It would be, wouldn't it? Because I remember, I don't know if I can say his name, but he was uh, he got into the UFC. He was in kickboxing K1. And he was in a lot of movies in the US. He was about 180 kilos, 170 kilos, 180 kilos. Wouldn't have been more than 15% body fat. Look like a silverback. So he was kickboxing at the time. My very good friend in Adelaide, Paul Slewinski, the Sting, he was a top pro fighter I was strength coaching Paul and training with him. And we went to Melbourne to for him to spar. And um, I remember we went to, we went to dinner. And seriously, when I saw him sitting on the edge of the ring, he looked like a silverback. He was about <laughs> 180 kilo. <laughs> six foot six, maybe six foot five, hundred and eighty kilo. Maybe 12, 15% body fat, Andrew. You'd never seen anything like it. He looked like a silverback. We went to dinner. He got two full-size serves of lasagna and two pineapple juices, and we were talking. And I'm like, I really want to know what's what's going on here. I really want to know. What's the
0: silverback (laughs) juice? Yeah,
1: what's the silverback juice? What's he sticking in? What's he doing? And, And I, you know, I didn't probe him too much, but what he did say was, he said, "I can't wait to get home because Jungle Cat." I'll have a new jungle cat, and I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I've got i I have these exotic pets; these cats. They're like breed between a domestic cat and a tiger. That you know, jungle cat." And he said, "My mine died. My cat died before I came over. So I cut a piece of his brain out, took it down to the lab, and they're cloning him." And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, just down the street." I'm like, "You got labs down the street that clone your pets down the street?" He goes, "Yeah, I'm going to have. It's the cat. They're making him out of." And I'm like, wow. And that would have been back in 2005. Have you been having a couple of the nah, tokes on the green stuff? Nah, that's that cloning and, you know, they- Dolly can, the sheep. Yeah, right. Then that, that was back in 2005 in the US. I think they're so far advanced with things that we have no idea. So when it comes to the athletes, I just don't know. I just don't know. And I guess I probably don't look at it as much anymore as much as I look at anti-ageing and wellness, because that's where I'm at. Back in the bodybuilding days, I was more interested in that sort of thing. And I keep saying back in the bodybuilding days, I'm getting ready for the Mr. Universe contest. But but it's uh, not at the expense of my health, and it's not experimental. It's uh, So I'm doing it for my kids, really. They want me to do it. They really want me to do it. That's awesome. Awesome. Mm. Final question. Yes.
0: The feedback loop when you're taking endocrine hormones. Mm, mm. Have you had any
1: experience with that? When you're taking exogenous, it switches off your endogenous production. Yes, yes. Yeah, correct. That's of course. And you know, and I'm not sure with growth hormone, but it must happen to some degree. And it would come down to dosage. So yes, back when I was competing internationally in the non-tested federations, it happens with all bodybuilders. The levels of testosterone they take switches off their own production. Mm-hmm. So again, when you go off, using that testosterone, you need to use other substances to kick your own system back in. So again, it it's, uh, becomes a bit of a cocktail, but again, it comes down to education and it comes down to measuring, looking at blood work and doing the right things. And having that, I think more than ever, if you're going to use hormone replacement, or if you're going to use anabolic steroids or PEDs, you must become educated And I think you must be even more disciplined when it comes down to this because, yes, abuse, if you're pushing the envelope, I've always loved pushing the envelope, but more in the gym, more in the gym and more the nutrition than pushing the envelope with PEDs. I was never comfortable doing that. Hence, I've got three children and touch wood, I'm very healthy and and all is well. And I think… Yeah, you, you do need to become more disciplined and more educated if you're going to use that stuff. I really do. But when it comes to hormone replacement therapy, different kettle of fish. Go to a great doctor, make sure you get your blood work done every three months and live really, really well.
0: I could ask so many more questions. I just see Wizard. you've been on the edge of your chair sometimes and like you're, I can just see my peripheral vision, him leaning forward going, oh, no one ever talks about this stuff. <laughs> Wiz, what, what do you want to ask or what have you learned from this discussion with Nick?
2: Oh, I was just going to ask you know, about gym routines, especially for someone that only goes a couple of times a week like I do, but you've already answered that, which is, is great. I'm going to take that advice. And from what I've learned so far, I've just been fascinated by just this open talk about PEDs because I feel like it's something I only ever hear about in you know, hushed tones and it is so easy to get the wrong information about them, like you were saying, especially
1: online. I think for a young guy, I think someone in, in your position, Wizard, I think- the future's looking bright. You know, we, we've, we guys of Andrew and I age, we've looked at, you know, our, our friends, dads and so forth, getting into their 40s, 50s, 60s, getting old, getting decrepit, you know, being that guy with the low testosterone and henpecked and beaten. We've looked at those guys, mate. Let me tell you, I reckon this decade of my life will be the best ever between 50 and 60. Sixty to seventy might be. I don't know. I look at guys like Stallone. That excites me. So for a young guy, I think what could be on the table in the next ten to fifteen to twenty years when it comes to wellness and anti aging might have to go overseas. I can't see Australia you, you doing it. You've just grown
0: like you've like you're, you This is your calling. You're you're super passionate about this. Oh,
1: I I really am. You know, it, it excites me. It really excites me. And There's nothing. I don't have any formal qualifications here, but I'm really. I mean, it's always for me been about, I've suffered depression. I've been to the pit. I never want to go there again. So there's a part of my life that's been dedicated to finding the best antidepressants or the best anti-depressing way to live because I want to live well Andrew
0: so was that when you were 18 and that, that path, was when- no,
1: no. I got chronic fatigue syndrome twice the second time was after the mr. universe and that's when I stopped using anabolics so my last mr. universe was um, October 2002 come January 1 2003 chronic fatigue syndrome from the second time but it was horrible and the depression I hit the pit And my comeback to bodybuilding was as a natural bodybuilder. I didn't take anything. Do you think the pit may have been because of the up? The pit may have been because the up. The pit, there's three types of stress that cause disease ultimately. One is mental and emotional stress. So I'd started my company from scratch. I was in a relationship that I was in for 10 years and didn't want to be there long-term, was with a much older partner. So the emotional stress was at a maximum. Starting a company, wrong relationship, too guilty to break it off and get out. So maximum you uh, Catholic background? Mental and emotional? No, no, no. Catholic no, no. Guilt
0: there it sounded like that Catholic guilt that I get sometimes. No, no, I don't know where I get
1: this guilt. Things a horrible yeah. thing. It was yeah. from my upbringing, but um, and, and the uh, physical stress. So it's mental and emotional, physical and chemical. Now the physical, I trained too hard for too long. I used to like squatting 230, two thirty, two twenty, two thirty week in week out, training so hard. I trained too hard for too long, and then the chemical your, your stress endocrine system just was smashed, smashed completely. Sympathetic, 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 sympathetic. sympathetic, sympathetic. <laughs> No, parasympathetic didn't kick in. The vagus nerve had shut down. So I was sympathetic for so many years, you know, I burnt out. I burnt out and it was chronic fatigue. And I had glandular fever as a young teenager. So when I first started getting into Louise Hay, because I got the glandular fever, so there was an emotional side to that. But certainly the chronic fatigue was part of the glandular fever, but then it was all three stresses in maximum. So really, having have been that sick and that depressed and that fatigued, Post that, I want to be well. I want to have vitality. I want to have energy. I want to have strength and flexibility. And I want to live my life to the fullest. It's a, My life's a bucket list, Andrew, as is yours and wizard. And I want to be well enough to be ticking the things off. You know,
0: I, I, I'm going to go to the gym after this, Wiz. So I'm going to wrap up anybody because I'm going to go lift heavy go, shit. Yeah, go, heavy go. Heavy shit. Now, let's talk about your business, Gentech Sure. I've been using GenTech for the last four years since we did our six-week experiment to get my photo shoot when the editor said, I did not like he wanted me to look. <laughs> and I like it. I really mm. do. I, I use P2P. Mm-hmm. I love the casein custard. That's mm, my dirty yes. little dessert. i get some blueberries, frozen blueberries, mix up the casein custard, have that. Uh, and also your, your protein powders. They're really good. So they, go back. When did this start? When did you go from buying other people's supplements, protein powders, and, and actually- making your own?
1: August 99. So I started um, I started as a distribution business. I worked for Masashi as a rep for about seven years and state manager in South Australia. And uh, I had a fallout with the original owner, who's a fantastic guy, by the way, great guy, highly intelligent. He sold out to Nestle, I think about seven years later. So 99, I finished with Masashi and I was getting ready for the Mr. Universe contest. And I thought, you know, I'm going to get ready like a full-time bodybuilder and go and win the universe. After a few weeks I sort of realized no no I need my structure. I need a you know I need some discipline. I need to work every day. So rather than getting a job with another company as a rep, I started distributing a couple of brands in Adelaide. So I filled my garage full of stock and I went out and saw all the the big retailers and I didn't even have a car. I borrowed a mate's car who went back to Canada, a little Corolla, so I could deliver the stock because uh, I had a company car with Masashi. So um, yeah, I started from my garage in 1999 distributing other products. As some of those companies I was distributing were running out of key lines, I kind of realized my income and business and success is still being controlled. It's really being controlled by someone else and whether they can supply me their products to distribute. This is crazy. And then I was getting ready for the universe and I'd always use Masashi and the original owner was fastidious with quality. This is where I learned about amino acids. He was fastidious. So getting ready for all of my previous nationals and universe and world championships, I'd use Masashi products and they were great quality back then. You know, so I was getting ready for this universe not knowing what quality of product I was using distributing brands where you know the, the supply was a bit on and off. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do my own. I'm going to do my own because I know what I'll be using. I'll be able to source the raw materials I want to use. And in doing that, I'll have stock and I'll supply my own brand and own product. And very unorthodox, as I am in many ways, I started with creatine and glutamine. You couldn't do it these days. You just couldn't do it, you know?
0: Creta was massive, wasn't it, back then? Everyone yeah, wanted Creta.
1: It's bigger now than ever, believe it or not. Now, I can't keep up supply. I literally, I get it in every quarter. We get the German creatine Pure. It's the best creatine in the world. And ours, Chem, that produce it, the creatine Pure, they cannot produce enough for the world market. Price has gone through the roof. I get a shipment every three months. I sell it in two days. Came in last week. It's gone. It's gone already. So... I'll get another shipment in three months. Same thing will happen. I'll sell it in two days, all pre sold basically. So it's the high quality stuff that so many people know and want. But that's how I started with creatine and glutamine. And slowly, slowly as I could afford to, I developed my Pure Carbs product. Then I developed my first protein, the Macro way, and so it went. And as I could afford to, I'd re- develop and release a new product. And it's kind of what we still do today, kind of. So when, when you say we, is it just you in the business or do you just have partners? Me. No, just me. I'm not good at listening to people. My wife's <laughs> – I'm not a boss at home. I'm not the boss at home, but a gente. There's got to be one place I'm the boss, Andrew. Yeah, true. true. Right. But, and, and I can see the knowledge you've got
0: physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. You've you got that depth. Mm. You bring that into your products. So it's not just one size fits all. You're no. constantly testing. I've heard other podcasts, the what's Up podcast, you how know, you've had some disasters, then you find what's good. You're, you're open. Hey, sorry about
1: that. Recall. Yeah.
0: Build that trust with clients.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I still, I still try and build the best product I can to get the best result possible. So I don't look at the market and that product category and go, this is the price point. This is how much margin I need. I've got to build a product to this budget. I don't do that. I'm don't you? very un- – no, nah, I'm very unorthodox. We need to chat. I build the best product I can. Some products, there's margin. Others, it's terrible. But I build the best product I can. Isn't it interesting? I category? say, we need to chat as an entrepreneur.
0: And then I pause to go, you're so freaking passionate. You I love- have to do it this way. No other way.
1: I can't stand there. I still go and talk to retailers like Mark around I know, the corner. Oh, no, Mark up the road. I'll yeah, make
0: sure Mark gets He's a legend. Yeah. I love his
1: smoothies. Yeah, he's a cracker. So he. Yeah. So I still I have to stand behind my product. So I need to and, – and when I use it as well, imagine if I was using my creatine and I was using the cheaper Chinese – Based product. Imagine using that going, geez, I wish I got the good stuff from Germany. So, anyone listening
0: to this who needs to get more protein, and we haven't, we'll close that out as well. About one and a half grams per kilogram. I think if someone just wants to stay in that first phase, pretty lean, you're probably going to dial me up to two.
1: Yeah, two. I'll dial you up to two. I usually say people that are training hard that want to maintain, especially at our age, you know, we can't, we don't need as much carbohydrate and we're. Battling sarcopenia, I'd say if you want to maintain muscle, two grams per kilo two body weight, you kilogram. want to build two and a half. Okay.
0: So I'm ninety kilograms, sort of hover about one or two kilograms either side. So I need about one fifty to one eighty yeah, right on. grams of protein. Right so when on. I see Mark after a workout up at North Sydney Fitness First, I go and get a smoothie. Yep. Fifty five yeah, grams. grams. Bang, there's yep. a third of it. Yeah, exactly. So many people listening to this get nowhere near enough protein. That's right and we know you're getting the muscle wastage. Absolutely. Do yourself a favor, go to Gen Tech, give us the webpage. Mm,
1: gen-tech.com.au, that's G-E-N hyphen ccomau
0: And buy protein powder, have one scoop every day, like I do, it's in the kitchen behind us. So if I get to the afternoon, and I'm feeling a little bit sort of fatigued, don't go get a coffee. You have a few coffees a day. Get some protein. Yeah, It's a natural, natural way to, to keep your energy levels up and also to keep on lean body mass.
1: Absolutely. Use my personal code as well. If anyone's going there from the podcast, rather than set up one for you, Andrew, it's use all capitals, Nick, N-I-C-K. Just type that in, 15% off site-wise.
0: Awesome. We'll put this in the show notes as well. What's the goal with your business? So, crystal ball, and I, I say question. this to all my entrepreneurs. Well, what is the ultimate goal? Do you want someone like... Nestle to come along like they did to Masashi, offer them a truckload of money?
1: That's a really good question. Because there's three things you do with a business ultimately. And I never thought about it like this because it's my passion. You either build it and sell it or you pass it on to your kids or you float it. Now, so for me, it would be to sell It, it would be to sell it one day. I'm still really enjoying it. I don't want it to sound like a cop out, but it's a real lifestyle business for me. I still enjoy my business, provides a great lifestyle for my family. I've got three young kids in, in a great school and we live in a nice home by the beach and I enjoy what I do still, Andrew. So doesn't show. You need to dial it up a bit. Like seriously, <laughs> bit can we have a, a bit it. of a chat about your presence and yeah. <laughs> energy
0: levels, mate? Do, do you know anyone who can help? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I've heard of this guy around North Sydney. He's pretty good about oh, that guy with the shiny head, yeah, yes. he's full of shit. Go to the guy in Cronulla. <laughs> Go to the other one. <laughs> shiny headed guy in North Sydney he gets all of his
1: content from the big guy in, in Cronulla. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, I um, I mean, if someone came and offered me good money for it, I, I would look at selling it, but probably work work for you the had business. had any
0: offers? Have you ever had anyone sniff around?
1: Not really. Not Nothing serious, no. I get asked a lot. I do get asked a lot. Nothing serious, no. No, nothing serious. No. Nah. I guess I'm probably, there's still quite a lot to do. I'm changing my main manufacturer at the moment. So we, we are overhauling the entire range at the moment. So I'm reformulating every product, reflavoring, and then relabeling. So how do you do all this shit without a... Degree in molecular biology. Like, how oh, do you learn this? It's what I know. It's all. It's all I know. I mean, you couldn't go to university. You could be a food technician and learn how to put the products together with a flavour. But have you but, got a have you got a lab? Are you doing but testing? I to, yeah, I used to do that anyway. White it's, mittens and all that shit. It's good question. In the old days, I used to put together the raw materials myself. So I'd do the formula. I'd get a shaker cup and and all the different ingredients, the amino acids and the proteins, and I'd shake them up in a shaker cup. And I would take it to the flavour house. So I'd go to a flavour house like uh, Tastemaster and I'd say, we need, a, need to make this taste good. Well, I'd call them first, but I'd go with their food tech and work out how much of that flavour and sweetener we need to make the product taste good. So I could supply the full formulation to a contract manufacturer and that's how I did my products. So was
0: it like a legal format of Breaking Bad? Yeah, that's right. To to have that knowledge Mm. on, on, like, you're getting down to molecular compound and food combining. Yeah. That's heavy shit.
1: It's all I understand. I don't really, you know, ask me to pull an engine apart and put it back together. Like, don't be impressed. Don't be, it's all I know. No, I'm, I'm intrigued by this your This is I, all I, I know. am. I'm
0: intrigued by your brain.
1: Well, and that, that's how I learned because I was intrigued about it. So I read my reading. It was in my bodybuilding days. I'm still in my bodybuilding days, but with three young kids, it's hard to read as much. But my reading was on books on amino acids, on nutrition, on nutrient timing. It wasn't on the latest bestseller on the murder mysteries and, and,
0: and not just. On amino acids, you're looking at branch change. You're looking at absolutely, getting yeah. into the molecular compound, yeah. C6H12O6. Well, yeah, absolutely. Glucose.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I would look more at different amino acids, their pathways and their activity, what they would actually do. And knowing what the body would do at certain times, whether it was pre-workout, during the workout, after the workout, or pre-sleep, I would then use amino acids to... To amplify what it is I was doing, and it just made sense. So I'd put those together, and they worked. And I got to say, you know, Tim Horwood, who started Masashi, he was like the founder, really, of amino acid technology for athletes. And he probably doesn't get enough credit, but I learned a lot from his formulations. And when I worked at Masashi, I read everything, and I had access with Masashi to the twenty-two amino acids. So I used to pull all of them down and use them at different times in different amounts, and Pre-workout, intra-workout, post-workout, before bed in the three AM. I would take certain amino acids to stimulate growth hormone production. You would have been awesome on a first (laughs) date. Can you imagine? Young
0: lady says. (laughs) So, what are you doing your time off? Well, I've looked at all the twenty-two amino acids, and I'm doing this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This time, I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. But I had that, but I still a bit wild, a bit crazy. You know, I've always had the, you know, the different parts of my personality, but they sort of, I've been able to, I guess, regulate and modulate, you know, at different times. And what, what
0: do you do to switch off? What, what do you do to downregulate?
1: I love walking by the beach in the morning. We live on the back of the national park there. So at the moment it's 5.30 Kids the kids are up at 6.30 for school. So I I do that to switch off. You go up over the, the sand hills. Yeah, the, the sand. sand yeah, the sand hills where the athletes run. So we just live behind there, and uh, I'll just go for a walk along there. But walk down to the beach at um, not quite Cronulla. Wanda. Yeah. And but just when Beautiful. I see the horizon and I smell the salt and taste the salt in the air, it's calming for me. It's so calm, it always has been. The ocean has always been calming. So I really wanted to to live by the beach here in Sydney.
0: Biophilia is the Latin word, for the feel good effect from nature.
1: Right. Yeah. I need it's to. Been, walk it's been good in getting, getting that
0: because I have been here going, he works hard, he trains hard. He's got a Greek wife, he's got three kids. It's all go, go, go. It is. That drop in intensity of morning, that's your time.
1: That's my time, and I have to do it in the morning. Because again, after work, I get home and it's it's homework, it's showers, it's dinner, or it's mm. bedtime. It's my,
0: my time. as well, right. yeah, I love it. It's quiet. Sometimes I take the dog. Sometimes he looks at me like I'm an idiot, and just i would often just go for a walk. And I, I live just over the road, so I'll walk sometimes up over the harbour bridge, down around the harbour,
1: and you see the world coming alive. And
0: as you did that, did you know you closed your eyes and you could I could just see you smiling and just yeah. feeling it all.
1: Yeah, the sun rises and you taste taste the salt in the air. And If I can see the horizon, whenever I've been able to see the horizon, my shoulders drop. The stress comes out of me. I see yeah. the horizon.
0: I can see the horizon wrapping up for our interview. So yes. I'm going to now go through Performance Uncovered. Nick Jones, I'm going to ask you 13 questions. Mm. Yes. Rapid fire. Former Mr. Australia, Mr. Australasia, Mr. World. First answer that comes to your mind, question number one, what is your favourite movie?
1: Not The Expendables, uh, Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me, all right? Don't fuck with me, Sean, not you. It's not your fault.
0: Question two. What song do you know all the lyrics to? Oh,
1: a bunch of them. A bunch of songs. A bunch of songs. Cat Stevens, a lot of Cat Stevens.
0: Okay, which one, particular?
1: Uh, Wild World.
0: Question three. What food can't you get enough of apart from Gentech products? (laughs) Nice subtle
1: plug there. Bodybuilding food, salmon. I love salmon.
0: Skin on or off?
1: On. Medium rare. Four. What
0: book has had the biggest impact on your life?
1: Wow. Probably Louise Hay. You can heal your life.
0: I'm intrigued by you that you read Louise Hay. And before we started mm. today, you're also into David Goggins.
1: Yeah, that's the extremes. Need hey! to both. <laughs> when I was on my last deployment, I was walking along. They said, You
0: can't do the pain. pain. <laughs>
1: hey, you don't know me, son. You don't know me. So Louise
0: Hay is quite different to David varies. Yeah. Five, what is your most meaningful possession?
1: Oh, can you call your family a possession? I mean, they trump everything by no comparison.
0: Six, what does your weekly fitness routine look like?
1: At the moment, five days a week weight training, five days a week slow, easy cardio, walking in nature first thing in the morning. For how long of the morning? 30 minutes in the morning. I still get my, I do a lot of warm-up activation before I weight train. So mobility work, most people would call it. That, that's really important. Okay. Stretching as well? Or just build So stretching, so dynamic stretching, dynamic stretching before my workout to prepare my body for the workout.
0: Question seven, what is your favorite failure?
1: Oh, chronic fatigue syndrome and depression. Whether you call that a failure, really, well, I didn't work for 12 months, so the business would have definitely failed, but chronic fatigue and depression was pivotal. Mm. Question eight, what do you do to recharge? Walk by the beach in the mornings.
0: Nine, how do you prepare for a key performance moment? And a key performance moment is a moment that matters. It could be a media interview, it could be a big sales interview, a podcast. What do you do to get in the right state?
1: I try and make sure I have some alone time leading into it. I still MC bodybuilding contests and they're kind of really important MCing I'm live events as you know. As long as I get some time on my own and I did some courses at nighter for public speaking so you know you do all the warm ups good 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 but I have a saying that I run through and it gets it gets those exercises done and it's very powerful. I am ready for the next stage of my life and I take command now. So that relates to being on the stage talking. That relates to going into fatherhood, going into business ownership, whatever.
0: And I didn't say this in the intro. You've got a podcast. You've got to get it going. How good is it? I've got to get it going again. Got to get it
1: going again. Podcast voice. Inspired.
0: What keeps you up at night?
1: Nothing. I'm exhausted after putting three children to bed. Nothing keeps me up. Nothing. We've never had anyone answer that, have we? Uh, Oh, within one minute of putting my head on the pillow, I I apologize to any insomniacs. I feel really sorry for you. Within one minute of putting my head on the pillow, I'm gone. The bodybuilder's life. Question 11, what is your number one productivity tip? Be present. Be present right now. Be present. Do your best right now. Be engaged and thankful. There was a great drummer years ago, BEAT. Be engaged and thankful. If you do your best right now, That's productivity at its highest level. You don't have to worry about tomorrow what it's going to bring. It'll bring good things because you're doing good things now.
0: 12, who has been your most influential mentor?
1: I'd have to say Bruce Brown. Uh, No one will know Bruce. Bruce was the closest thing to a stepfather to me for about five years. Bruce was an entrepreneur. He wasn't a nine to fiver. He did so much interesting stuff. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I was looking at buying a jag. He always loved jags. That I realised Bruce he loved life and and one thing that I I didn't never realize how much influence he had over me, but he was very happy-go-lucky. He would always say I'd say something that was on my mind or bothering me. Ah, it doesn't matter, Nikki. Doesn't matter. It's not important. Doesn't matter. And he just lived life his way. He passed away about two years ago. I did the eulogy. He's got three sons, but I did the eulogy at, at uh, his funeral because it's they asked me to. I don't know why, but I was very. He was the guy. He was the guy, and he was not a successful millionaire, wasn't a bodybuilder, played cricket when he was young, grew up on Kangaroo Island off South Australia, but just happy-go-lucky, did things his way, and certainly wasn't a nine-to-fiver.
0: So I have to tease out what's successful. So when someone is asked, who's your mentor, I think he's really successful. So Mm. it may not be the Western definition of success, Mm. which is power, money, kudos. Mm. That Eastern definition, or the more grounded definition of success, connection, purpose, relationships.
1: Yeah, and that's definitely it. You know, money's never been that important to me. Money and status. I mean, and as a bodybuilder, people think you really want status and you're egotistical. And I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy and enjoy my time here. As the great, it wasn't Stuart Wilde, it was Wayne Dyer said, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. I understand that absolutely understand that. So I want to enjoy every bit of my humanness and I want to enjoy my human experience.
0: Question 13, what is your definition of high performance?
1: Again, uh, like the previous answer, being present. So whether it's in the gym, my performance physically in the gym, it's Fiercely being fiercely present and when you're squatting 200 kilos you're not thinking about yesterday a conversation you had you're not worried about the future you are so fiercely present so when you can bring that into writing into podcasting into a business meeting into product development time into writing copy for marketing just being so present ultimate presence is uh, high performance Let's go back to the start of the conversation. There was a critical
0: junction in your life. You could have gone either way. When the judge sentenced you to 12 months, and then he paused for that three or four seconds, and you had all those thoughts flashing through your head, and then he gave you a good behavior bond for 18 months. Mm -hmm. What do you reckon that judge would be thinking now if he listened to this interview, if he saw what you're
1: doing right now? I'm glad I didn't put him in the slammer. (laughs) (laughs) You got a bit. I'm glad I messed with him for those few seconds. You got a bit teary. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I it's. I think I've seen so many tragic stories, you know, not just from housing commission, from bodybuilding. I've seen so many, you know, and as you get older, you do, you know, we see a lot of people really going off the rails, and and uh, I think I've had such a rich life darkness light i've been exposed to so much and i'm i'm just so grateful that things have worked out the way they have and i i'm constantly it's something it's a practice that i do and i recommend everybody to do is each morning before i go for my walk is i do think about all the things i'm grateful for i'm not specifically religious to any one religion but i but i pray every morning and i give thanks every morning for this human experience for my wellness for my health for my family uh and there's some mornings i give thanks for my home and the roof over my head and the appliances that keep my food fresh and allow me to cook my food and the sewerage and the clean water so i get a bit that's probably a real louise hay thing is the gratitude but that attitude of gratitude and reminding yourself and it is a discipline That you must practice because it's easier to stay in bed under the warm duna for that extra half an hour and get up and have a coffee when the kids are screaming and trying to make brekkie and and it's just the worst way to start the day you just get pushed around by the day and you're just reactive for the day instead of being proactive i i don't always reflect when you've asked me i've reflected so it's brought up some emotion but um i'm constantly grateful that things have worked out the way they have because they worked out pretty bloody well so far mate and i expect I do my best work today, and and I'm authentic, and uh, I expect tomorrow to be just as good, if not better.
0: I've loved today. Mm, like I those. didn't know where we would really go. Like I, I often start at the start of the podcast. Here's a rough frame, but we we we've stayed to somewhat structure, but we've danced. I love the pulse and the depth that you can go really hard on the 22 branch chain amino acids, Mm. really hard and train, freaking Mm. crazy, Mm. but then you drop, and I saw that a few times, you you drop, there's the intense and the drop, it's the pulsing, Mm. and I love the authenticity, and and, and thank you for being so open Mm. about the Fountain of Youth, which is a topic that is really swept under the carpet in this Mm. country, so I really hope this educates a lot of people to be informed, to be curious. I think the judge made the right decision.
1: <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Come in, give me a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: We're back in the studio. We've had some time to digest this. Dr. Tom Buckley, welcome. You're going to do this reflection with me. We needed some time. It's a two-hour podcast, but I also wanted some time to really listen to the content, and I wanted you to listen to it with your scientific lens as well as the head of the Stride Stronger Research Institute. So I'll, I'll throw straight to you your thoughts on the interview name.
2: Oh, fantastic interview, Andrew. I think I've wrote down five or six different points. I mean, the first one I wrote down is that yeah. Yeah, I could see that you have a lot of admiration for Nick. And you know, when, And it came out in the interview when you were preparing for that photo shoot, because I think I must have asked you a million times. I even asked you recently, you know, what did you do for that photo shoot? You know, and I can see now that you had some really good mentors, some good guidance but just like... I, I
0: wanted what he's having, with <laughs> the, the natural way. And it was. It was the body built a lifestyle on eating regularly, like good protein, lean veggies and performance carbs, lifting heavy, like really dialing up the weights and lifting more regularly. And also the recovery and sleep. And even since doing that interview, I've been bloody sore. You know, we spoke about how Tony, my partner, said to me recently, have you been doing deltoids? My shoulders have been so freaking sore. I think what what that interview has done is it's rekindled for me that that desire to stay young, to stay lean, and to lift a bit heavier. So, yeah, I'm bloody sore since doing that interview. Yeah,
2: I I, I associate with that because I was really intrigued with a few things. I mean, I think one... What an engaging guest, what a person who can speak. And I wrote down a few things around that. I, I got this impression that he's very content as a person, content with who he is. His backstory is very engaging. Um, I think a great advert for what sport can do for you, you know, as you grow up, a real advert for you keeping a focus through sport that then drives accomplishment into business, real content person and i don't know nick at all i've never met him but i got that perspective
0: from it i agree with it that he's the passion is infectious men women children animals i'd say mammals swarm to nick it's just his passion and his enthusiasm even up the road where i get my regular smoothie from mark who runs that like when nick walks in they just they love him He's just got this infectious attitude about him and approach.
2: Yeah, and I can see that because a a very engaging character. No real edge to him. And I found that really amazing because you and I have worked with a lot of elite accomplished athletes and some can often have an edge to them. They can often be, you know, that there's often that, that edge is what got them there. And I just didn't get that feel. Of that age and I thought that's really fascinating. But I would imagine when he's in the zone, you know, like you you discussed in the podcast with uh, boxers, you know, once you get in the zone, you, you move your mindset, which you've got to do to be at that that elite world level. His responses were so considered, and, and I was really taken by that because he very much acknowledged a lot of what you were saying, and then there was always pauses for considered responses, and I would imagine he'd be a fantastic mentor to people because I got an impression he was actually really listening. He wasn't busting to get his words in. He was considerate. You'd often heard him saying, yeah, and then there'd be a pause. And then he would give his perspective. And I I really appreciate that. I I always appreciate that in athletes, in experts in any topic. I always appreciate that they stop, listen, consider, and then give a considered opinion.
0: Mm, Thank you for adding that. Let's yeah.
2: reflect on that a little bit before
0: I... So I'm trying to practice what Nick does, see what I did there. Jokes aside, it, it was a very present interview, and it, it was two hours, and it felt like half an hour because you're just so engaged in the content and in the information. The other factor, I, you know, I said his passion, it was the science. Mm. And, and like I said to you, you know, with your experience, with your multiple degrees what are your thoughts on this and when he started breaking apart the 22 branch chain amino acids and just talking about that even understanding the difference between antibiotic steroids and human growth hormone and peptides and how it all works there's just so much depth and knowledge there around longevity around aging he's a constant student of this topic
2: Yeah, I I couldn't disagree with anything he was saying. I mean, he was presenting his experience, his perspective, his trial and error, what works for him. And I think he presented that in a very logical and scientific way. I really appreciated what he said around the use of products, whether it be peptides or whether it be pharmaceuticals and the abuse of them and I think that's a very important message for young athletes I mean we, we, we know it, you know that pointy end of athletics that you are looking for those one percenters when you're at that elite level and uh, I think you know it's very very important what he talked about how you use products in the context of your training uh, versus abuse them I think the sport and the art of what he does sounds to me this is the normal in this competition this is how people prepare themselves but what i took from that because it's very easy to lead with that conversation around PEDs but what i actually took from it was that there was many levers here you know the discussion on sleep was really really important the discussion on nutrition recovery and then i was really intrigued with the training philosophy of working one set of muscles once a week i I really hadn't appreciated that and
0: really blasting the living daylights out of it like three exercises and generally starting with big compounds so compound multiple giants and then coming down to singular isolation groups so and it is it's it's going hard but it's allowing yeah a lot more recovery than i first thought too as i said in the interview
2: Yeah, it reminds me, um, Andrew, you and I were running around 400-meter tracks around the same time in our life. You were a few years younger than me, so I was probably doing it a few years more, longer than you or earlier than you. But, you know, we'd be down there and we might be there doing a 90-minute session and the sprinters would be there for two, three hours, but they always seem to be walking and chatting. And it's the same philosophy of massive effort followed by long recovery. I think that's a really important message for people. I, I often myself suffer from that in the gym where I may rush through and don't really get to the heavy weight, and then I wonder why I don't get the same results. So I think there was some important messages in there. But you know, the performance intelligence around what to do, when to do it, the science of what he's doing, having worked it out through trial and error, but very, very importantly, also teaming up with the right people the right guidance the right scientist the right medical practitioner to do it as to do it safely within his sport and to do it in a way that is less likely to do damage to him in the long run mm.
0: and you touched on before those areas what's the bodybuilder lifestyle and and we don't want the whole lead on this to be i oh, yeah, a lot of bodybuilders take performance enhancing drugs the bodybuilder lifestyle is Lifting heavy weights Eating really clean Healthy food And cutting out all the processed rubbish crap And then recovering properly So sleep, recovery, restoration in between But I'm going to add a fourth one I was reflecting this swimming this morning just you know, before doing this interview. It's the passion and I led with that. So yeah. I think the bodybuilder lifestyle is also that energy, that passion, that zest to keep doing that for years and years. And coming to the bodybuilder lifestyle in inverted commas late for me, you know, coming from an endurance lifestyle where we flog the shit out of ourselves. We're always tired. We look like we're hungry and we need a blanket, right? <laughs> so I've jumped on it. I, I'm a big fan of that, that healthy, natural bodybuilder lifestyle. That's so really influenced me over the last five years and Nick's influence in that through Dan Bradley has now influenced thousands of people because I'm talking about this on stage it's podcasting coaching all the work we do with executive performance that was my other reflection this morning mate swimming that Nick has actually had a, a bigger effect on a lot more people than I think we've acknowledged through his effect through his impact on me
2: yeah i can i can see that i can see that he's an engaging person uh considered a listener and a role model i mean his backstory of getting a a sentence of one year i mean had that happened you know, we might be having a completely different conversation or perhaps we wouldn't even be having a conversation with Nick or about Nick today. So I think, you know, and and the fact that he owns that, he's transparent about that, it's part of who he is, he's comfortable with that. I can see that he's influenced thousands of people. And, And certainly for me, listening to the interview, I forgot about the scientist in me. I was totally engaged in in Nick in his journey and his experience so and it is his journey and his experience and I think it's not necessarily something you would prescribe to somebody say right now this is how you become Mr. Universe Yeah, you know, everybody has their own journey but his is very engaging and very very interesting.
0: I started this episode with a disclaimer to delineate between the work I do in sport around mental skills and my evolution is in strength and conditioning so in sport there is just no discussion at all around performance and It's totally illegal and it's bent but I wanted to to open up the curiosity and the performance intelligence and I was cautious about doing this interview and I ran it by you as well and I'm glad we dug into this, I'm glad we are having these conversations but I just need to really be conscious In sport, you don't have these conversations. It's called cheating. But as you said before, in bodybuilding, it's openly known and accepted that people take performance-enhancing drugs. It was really interesting to get that perspective.
2: It was, and it reminded me... It was very interesting to get that perspective, and I I actually fully appreciated that, which I hadn't before before I listened to the interview. It reminded me a lot of, you know, other sports, namely cycling, that's had a, a history of... Performance enhancing, and I remember speaking to uh, one of the physicians in one of the big teams one time, and he saying to me that essentially his job was to keep these cyclists on the bike and keep them healthy while they do it, because at that peaky end sport is not healthy, you know. So so, so he was
0: saying that his job, by giving them exogenous substances, was to keep them healthy
2: was to keep them healthy and keep keep them from uh, getting into the, the, having the risk factors that would trigger or bring on such a disease. And, And it was a really insightful, insightful perspective on it from a medical practitioner's perspective. He saw his job as keeping these athletes healthy and able to do what they do. Of course, Of course, you have to appreciate that the way they're training and the volume of training is what puts them into that risk zone. And his job was to get them out of the risk zone physiologically. And it really changed my thinking from a medical angle. But, of course, you've got to match that up with the what is the rules of the day in that sport. And the ethical you know?
0: angle in that sport as well. And the
2: ethical angle. And then you've got to mirror that up with is that how you want the teenagers preparing? And and, and Nick speaks speaks very well about that from the from his sport, from the perspective of a, a young teenager, perhaps. They have the endocrine system to create those naturally if you train the body properly and stuff. Whereas I think as we age we get decrements in our endocrine system. And that was a very interesting conversation too because you, you and I have often talked about, you spoke about in the podcast around living to 100 I think 120 is probably what you really want to live to and how you might, how, what you might need to do to do that. If you look at the science in of longevity you know it is about optimizing physiology it is about very very similar principles to how you prevent disease and the same principles to how you optimize performance in sport and many of those levers you can do through behavioral aspects and some of them you may need some help
0: well dr peter atia in his best-selling book talks about chasing longevity two key factors one is vo2 max getting your heart rate up and training that cardio capacity and the second one is lean body mass and, and again that bodybuilder lifestyle we doing short sharp high intensity reps and then also building lean body mass so yeah lots of science lots of practical experience and lots of engagement coming coming together now we could do a reflection almost as long as the podcast conscious <laughs> let's not talk too much about this we could do another podcast on the reflections on the podcast so final reflections
2: yeah, far engaging in very, very engaging interview, very good to hear Nick's story, his backstory, hear how he has performed to the level he has and how he currently trains. Very interesting conversation. I, appear, I really appreciated transparency in, in, in his sport and how things are done in his sport i think we would always have to say that if you can do these things in a natural way that is the optimal way it's the lowest risk way the message i got from his podcast was that 99 percent of it is hard work consistency hard work pulling levers and that last one percent in his sport he was disclosed how he did it but that wouldn't be how you would do it in other sports
0: yeah let's wrap up let's go live that bodybuilder lifestyle go eat clean <laughs> let's make a time to lift some heavy shit Tom thanks for that review and thanks thanks for guidance on especially when we get into the deep pointy science bits and I was cautious on this and thank you for you know, helping me explore this topic
2: yeah no it's, it's a, a great interview well done